You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. But before we do that, let's meet our cast for this week. So starting off, she came up to us from level seven. Uh, this is my good friend, Paige. How are you doing, Paige? I am doing so good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Awesome. How, how have you been since the last time you were on the show, which was black widow i think yeah it was a little while ago um i've been good i've been keeping busy at my day job working for a certain video video game company now full time and that's been keeping me very active um but other than that it's it's been good um convention season on the east coast is starting to ramp up again Mm -hmm. i'm gonna be going awesome con soon super excited about that very cool well it's good to have you back on the show page thanks you're welcome and next up, she is my co-host on Time Streams, but she has been making quite a few appearances on the 42 cast lately, and that is Juliet. How are you doing, Juliet? I'm doing so well again. It's awesome. Well, good. So how have things been in the week since you were last <laughs> on the show? I mean, life and work are the same, mm. but uh been uh, hitting up Renaissance Festival here in Tennessee for the last weekend and I'm going again this weekend as Jim from Our Flag Means Death and have had the best time uh, running around as Jim like so good you would I was wondering I had like a nightmare uh, that nobody would recognize me and that I'd come back home with my bag of favors not a single one handed out and I was very sad about that but I was recognized right in the parking lot so I have no more fear. I've had people ask me to mail them the, my favors or drop them off at a booth that they work at, but that they can't be there, you know, when I, the day I'm going to be there. So this is the highlight of my week right now is going to Ren Fair, seeing a bunch of friends um, and being Jim. <laughs> That's cool. That, the best time I ever had at a con was when I was Moonlight Night from Sailor Moon. <laughs> And I had white roses up my sleeve. So if anyone recognized me, I would produce a white rose and give it to them. That's awesome. (laughs) Seriously, handing out favors, especially when you're a character and people recognize you is like the best thing because their faces just light up. Mm. I actually, somebody directed me to a TikTok of a person that I met at fair and gave a plastic orange to because they made a TikTok about it when they got home. They were like showing off the orange and be like, this is my new favorite thing. Yeah. I mean, I, although I will say for all the talk that people get about like men being awful at cons with women dressed up, um, women are pretty grabby too, especially when you're a character from a shoujo anime, I, I will say. So yeah, you do have to be a bit careful. I've been Towski from Fushigi Yugi, but most of the time people ask me if they can hug me. So mm. yeah, they at least are trying yeah, Beth, to be- Beth got a little upset with the amount of attention I was giving and the amount of people who don't ask for permission. They just, they just touch, you know, so. Yeah, it can happen like that. 
Uh, let's get to have you back on the show, Juliet. It is awesome to be back again. Woo! All right. Sorry, All right. I'm really and, ramped up for this. Yeah. And, uh, and next up is um, a friend that I made uh, with the American Sci-Fi and Fantasy Media track. And uh, she has been with us talking about quite a few things lately. And that is my friend, Allie. How are you doing, Allie? I'm good. And uh, what's been going on for you in the month or so since you were last on the show? So actually, I have just launched a podcast. It's all about writing and inspiration. It's called Story Kernels. Um, we're doing it by season, so we'll be uh, having new episodes out throughout the summer. Oh, okay, cool. How, how many episodes in a season? Uh, we're aiming for about 12 per season, but it will a little bit depend upon recording time. <laughs> okay, sure. This one will definitely have 12, though. <laughs> right, so so I think you did explain last time, like, the idea of story kernels, mm -hmm. but are the, are the kernels submitted by the audience or do you just like come up with here's here's an idea and here's the story we're, we're, we're just gonna have to come up with a story about x so i run a lot of writing communities and because mm -hmm. of that i have collected a lot of sources of prompts um so there's a lot of things that are physical like decks of cards or dice mm -hmm. and then there's other things that are books or websites um some of these are not necessarily like meant for prompts. It'll be like a book that is a collection of proverbs and it explains like where the saying came from and maybe some history behind it or how it's changed. Um, I've got uh, an encyclopedia of magical creatures. Like we're using all kinds of different sorts of things for, for where we start from. Um, but my writing partner and I, uh, we mostly do speculative fiction so they go in interesting directions <laughs> oh i bet it does <laughs> i i've been part of it's not quite the same thing but i've been part of groups before where like different people like write for different characters in a shared story mm -hmm. and that yeah. can get kind of out of hand and and so i can imagine how like what you're doing can also kind of get out of hand so that'd be, <laughs> it's it sounds a very, very interesting. fun way yeah, yeah yeah it's a it's gonna be a lot of fun all right. Well, no, that's really cool. And uh, it's good to have you back on the show. Yeah, good to be here. And finally, we have the maestro of the marquee himself, the human gorilla, Mark Finn. How are you doing, Mark? I've got the world on a string. I'm sitting on a rainbow. I also was here on time. And uh, so that's awesome. That's the best yeah. part. Against all odds, you were here Against, on time. Right, yeah, yeah. It was it was touch and go. There was a moment where I thought, should I be late? It'd be weird to be early, wouldn't it? So, no, we're all right. Well, it's fine. You were you were right on time, so it worked out. Thank you. So, uh, what's been going on for you in the last week or so since you were on the show? Well, I have not dressed up uh, as anybody to go to a convention or a Ren fair because I don't want people touching me. So <laughs> that's been a that's been a real thing. Uh, and I've just made the decision, you know, I could do it now. I've actually, I, I calculated, I've lost 165 pounds in the last like year and a half. So I am theoretically of a, of a, of an approximate shape resembling a human. And so I could dress as one, but if I did that, then people would come up and, and want to say things. And I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there, but 
you know, we're just not quite over that hump. So maybe by the end of convention season, I'll, I'll be better. I've got a few things coming up. I'm, I'm doing Robert E. Howard days in a couple of weeks. That's always a, a good time. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm bringing uh, my fiance and her family to Howard days. Uh, over the years, I, I estimate I've drug about 75 people to Cross Plains, Texas <laughs> and, and thrown them into Howard days and go, this is what I do. So love me, love my weird friends. And, and it's, it's so far it's worked out. So I think we're going to be okay. Okay. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean that you, you got me curious now you piqued my interest. How, how into the geeky sphere is your fiance's family? Oh, the family, not so much. Uh, Janice is is full full on, you know. Well, I figured if she was going to marry you, she would have to be. Yeah, certain. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like super chicken, you know. You knew the job was dangerous when you took it, like that kind right. of thing. But uh, no, uh, they're they're certainly I would call them geek adjacent. You know, they they're they're all voracious readers, mm. and you know they're not strangers to fantasy and science fiction stuff like that um but um uh, they also are very pro like texas authors and texas literature oh okay and her uncle's into texas history and so when he started reading uh blood and thunder janice got it to him for christmas he opened the thing up and then came into the room and said you're friends with joe lansdale i said yeah he yeah how do you know joe lansdale i read all of joe lansdale stuff so they're going to be okay. You know, they'll, they'll be all right. At some point, like it, it never gets so nerdy that we don't break for chicken, fried steak, or barbecue. So there's a, there, you know, there's little islands of gravy that people can hop from, you know, and, and in the silent auction, you know, so right, it's, right. It, yeah, it's fine. It never, it never gets out of control and nobody dress. It's, this is not a cosplay sort of a mm. thing or a, you know, a deal like that. So it's, it's yeah, I've be never like, been to a literature con, but I imagine it's a little more sedate than say like a dragon con. I, it's, this is more of a relaxa con. There's about a mm. hundred, you know, when it's a, a, like a big year is 125 people. And, oh, and everybody okay. stands around going, wow, this is like amazing. <laughs> um, most of the time it's, uh, you know, 75, 80 people and we all know each other. So, you know, that's, that's a, that's a good vibe. You know, it's basically just hanging out, catching up. Uh, I do the, the boxing stories panel every year after the, after the banquet where I talk about Robert E. Howard's love of boxing. And we go to the ice house where he boxed. And then I read excerpts from the boxing stories in character. So, so it's kind of like cosplay only they don't hug me. <laughs> They do not hug me, and and well, I. Well, that's, that's and, all for the best. I'm just gonna say, I'm all right with that. Right. I'm really okay with that. A couple of them want to hit me, but they don't want. Nobody wants to hug me. So, I feel like I'm ahead of the curve on all of y'all for this. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny because as soon as you're talking about bringing your fiance and her family, I was just like thinking of my in-laws, and I was like, oh my god, like yeah. the idea of bringing my in-laws to a con. Like they'd probably have like their crosses out, like holding them like at arm's length, like between them and anyone near them. And yeah, no, oh my God. Thankfully, <laughs> it's one of the, see, it's also a deal because we're going to his house, 
which mm. they've set up as a museum. And so for they all like to travel and, and go to like little roadside places in the small like not tourist traps, but, you know, mm. they like they like to hit that out of the way thing. So this is absolutely going to fit right there in that, you know. What'd you do this summer? I went to a writer's house in Cross Plains, Texas, and he wrote Conan and stuff. And so, you know, it'll that's what it'll be. It'll be, you know, yeah, they're going to be okay. I pro- I'm all right with it. So, all right. Well, cool deal. I'm glad that you're doing a, a con and, and, you know, things are going, you know, good for you right now. I, if I can get these damn drains out, I'll be awesome sauce. So thank you. Glad to be here. Happy yeah, to, good help, to have you. help the ball team. All right. So normally we'd have our five minute controversy here, but uh, there's enough to talk about with the multiverse of madness and with four guests, you know, it it takes a while to discuss stuff anyway. So we're going to put that aside and just go back to a five minute controversy maybe next week. Uh, But um, before we talk about the movie, we're going to pause for a moment for a promo from another fine podcast. Hey, Martha. What? Do you like nerd stuff? I do. And do you like adult beverages? I super do. <laughs> well, then you should join us with a drink. With a drink. With a drink. On, but first, let's talk nerdy. Clink. <laughs> On the ESO Network. We'll see you on Tuesday. Maybe next Tuesday. Maybe. mentioned at the beginning of the show we are talking about dr strange and the multiverse of madness uh dr strange has the dubious distinction of being the marvel movie prior to the debut of the 42 cast so it is the it was the uh first one we did not talk about (laughs) (laughs) um or, the, or I guess the last one we did, however you want, however that phrasing works. But, you know, it was the one where we talked about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was our first MCU movie that we talked about on the show. So, um, uh, so I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody about Doctor Strange. So just really quick before we get into Multiverse of Madness, I just want everybody's quick, like three or four sentence opinion on the first Doctor Strange. Uh, let's start with you, Mark. I thought Frumius Bandersnatch did a great job. Um, I didn't mind the changes as a comic book Doctor Strange fan. Mm-hmm. I thought they worked really well, and I thought they handled the magic um, fairly deftly because the comic is intentionally Baroque about that stuff. And I thought this was another example of where they streamlined and did a, a great job. And this was also the first MCU movie where we were they basically introduced magic right mm-hmm. i mean prior to this it had all been super science and repulsor tech and all of that and so for for being that overview they did a i think they did a fantastic job um i i love dr strange the relationships with um uh crackleberry windersnorp and and wong are fantastic uh i love all of that yeah big okay. fan all right, good. And uh, Juliet? Blew my mind. 
when I saw it immediately zoomed to the top of my MCU favorite movie list. I was passingly familiar with Doctor Strange from the comics, but immediately knew that this was my dude because he got there through study and practice. And I'm like, yes, I could also be a sorcerer. That to me, he was the most accessible of them all. And I, I was immediately right there. And I have been in love ever since. The moment I saw that first movie, I knew I was going to cosplay that. And I do now. Okay. So, yeah. Paige? Um, thinking back to that movie, I thought Blueberry Cumberbund was very good in it. Um, he he definitely sold me on on the role and the character um, more than I thought he was going to. Like the second I heard him actually have like an American accent, I was like, oh, okay, okay, this is fine. This is gonna take me a second to get used to, but it's fine. Um, and I, I still like, I love Wong. Wong's the best, um, it, just an absolute treasure. Uh, and I'm glad he's getting more to do in, in phase four, uh, for sure. But um, definitely like Doctor Strange was like, it was a solid movie. It wasn't like my favorite of like all the MC movie, MCU movies at the time. But it was like, yeah, this is solid. It's inoffensive. And it was like scary at certain points. And it was cool seeing magic actually being used in the MCU for the first time. So yeah, it had really, really nice, really nice moments. Please okay. promise me we are all we are not gonna use his real name throughout this entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because this would make me the happiest person today. I'm just like, I'll just keep making up names. I'm fine with this. <laughs> all right, Allie. I have a list. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm a little bit like Paige, but probably like a couple notches down in enthusiasm where I feel like it was a Marvel movie. I didn't really think that it was the most fantastic movie out there, but it was a solid Marvel movie. Um, and it's also a solid Marvel origin story, which I think are the hardest ones to do because I mean, I'm very tired of origin stories and I know a lot of other fans are also tired of origin stories, but it was a pretty solid origin story. So I no complaints about it, but I'm not like raving home about it. And when people ask me for what are the essential Marvel movies I must watch, I usually leave it off of my list. That hurts. Uh, I'm probably closest to Juliet. Um, it is my favorite of the solo movies. Um, uh, the first Avengers I do like more, but um, yeah, Doctor Strange, uh, I'm familiar with him from the comics, but I think all the updates they did were great. Like making Wong a uh, equal rather than a, you know, a servant type character. The changes to make Mordo a buddy that turns rather than uh, just a mustache twirling evil from the moment you look at him type villain, all that sort of stuff I thought was really good. And to me, like, because a lot of people say like, it's just Iron Man all over again. But the thing is, Iron Man is different because Tony's life was in danger. What happened to Steven is that his skills were taken away, which to me has a lot more emotional resonance. That's something that I can like put my head into. I feel a lot more for him and his struggle in the movie and the scene where he and the ancient one are talking in the hospital like makes me tear up every time because not only because of his issue and the idea that you could make your hands better but then that's all you could ever do with your magic for the rest of your life you know and the idea that there's a choice there that he has to make and 
uh, the idea that the ancient one saw this cut. So on her side, also the fact that she saw this coming and this was the thing that she could never see like a way around. And so it was like her fate to do this. And like the tragedy and the sadness of it all was just like, wow, this is really powerful. This is really moving in a way that a lot of the MCU movies are not. And so I, I really appreciated, you know, that aspect of it. And, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, I really, I really enjoyed it. And I think that it was, yeah, I, I'm a little sad that they didn't follow up more on the ending of that movie <laughs> with this one, because I wanted to see Mordo and the No More Sorcerers, you know, kind of thing. Um, but, uh, but I mean, it still could come up again later. But I mean, that that was what I was kind of expecting. It is still a weird thing to drop, though, because I was actually mm -hmm. interested yeah. in, in where that was going at like the very last part of that movie. And I thought that at least the next Doctor Strange will at least like continue it or like have some hints to it in the background to maybe lead into something like in a third movie. And then they didn't. And I was like, okay, well, I understand there wasn't time. There's a lot going on, but it was a little disappointing. <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, so I mean, we get Multiverse of Madness, which is following on from uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and the What If and Loki and all of that, that we're, we're really promoting, we're going for multiverse uh, now with Marvel. And uh, of course, this is sort of the biggest entry, um, you know, into that. And uh, let's, let's start, let's keep our focus on Steven talking about this, whatever name you want to come up for his real name, because I'm not. I'm not clever like that. I can't come up with things that sound similar, but aren't it. Um, but <laughs> I didn't think about it ahead of time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so like his story and his sort of like, kind of where he goes in this movie, like, how did you feel about that? So um, let's start with you, Juliet. Um, so yeah, uh, tater top buckle patch, but he's, he portrayed what was it, four different versions of Doctor Strange in this one, if you count uh, the fact that we got Zombie Strange, even though it was technically him, but it's still Zombie Strange, which I thought was fantastic that we brought that in. Um, I like where we see Strange at in this. He's, he, he jokes about, you know, how he's no longer Sorcerer Supreme because he did blip for five years. And he, his story is great because he, he's come a long way from being Dr. Stephen Strange, the, the famed neurologist and whatever, neurosurgeon, to learning, to, you know, to hum, to like let go of certain things. But this movie really forces him to take a look at what he's doing and learn that he can't do it all on his own. He has to trust that other people can do things. He can't fix everything himself. And I kind of relate to that because I have a very hard time letting go of many things. I just... I don't trust that other people are going to get it done or do it the way I want it. And um, it's, it's very relatable for me. I thought he was fantastic, especially by the end of the movie, showing us that journey. Because he, he has to really struggle with it. And each of the strangers that we see have struggled with it too, which I thought was also cool. I'm, I'm just going to say I'm a little sad we didn't get to see Strange Supreme. They were hinting at it. I was ready for Strange Supreme, but they gave us an even darker Strange rather than that who didn't have all that crazy power. So I'm, I'm, I'm still cool with you know having Strange Supreme in my head, and I'm going to cosplay that one of these days. I, I before like the internet came up with Strange Supreme, I just called him Perfect Strange. But uh, <laughs> <and> he, <laughs> oh, it's a great description. Yeah. 
but I think his journey was really good. You could see yeah. him struggle with certain things. You could see him really work to, he took the lessons of the other strangers that he learned about, that he saw, you know, America told him about the strange and her, the, the last universe and what he did. And you see him learn about the strange in the other universe with that form of the Illuminati and find out what he did. And I don't think the, Amer I don't think the first one we meet has the redeeming qualities that uh, the Illuminati one did. I can't remember the, the number of that particular universe. Eight something, I think. Cause I know yeah, ours is I mean, 616, yeah. but eight, three, eight. thank you. I, I do, uh, I do find that 838 strange. He knew what he had done. And he was like, nope, you, you got to put me down. So he had some bits of redeeming. I like that our strange gets the full arc. And I can't wait to see where he goes with this. Having, at the end, bowed to Wong, finally. That was, that's a huge thing for him. He is acknowledging, and not just with his, you know, you know, in his brain, he's cool with Wong being Sorcerer Supreme, blah, blah, blah. But to acknowledge it openly in front of people is a little hard for him. So he uses sarcasm as a shield. And then he bows to Wong, no sarcasm involved, just acknowledging him that, no, it's cool. You're Sorcerer Supreme. You're probably much better for it than I am. Even though Wong acknowledges that Strange is the better sorcerer, the more powerful one. Wong's better suited to the leadership of it all, I think. No, anyway, all of that to say, I love this Strange. I love his journey. I love where he went with this story. I had zero problem with it. Okay, Allie? So because... I don't like the first movie as much as everyone else. <clears throat> I feel like it's important to say, I think the first movie gets us to this movie. And I loved his arc in this movie um, for basically everything that Juliet said, 100% agree. Um, for me, part of it is I really dislike the arrogant PhD having know-it-all character that we've seen many times, including from Cumberbund Bandersnatch. Um, not a big fan of them. And so seeing one of them actually evolve into something that has humility as part of the components that make them a human, that's fantastic. So I was really, really excited by the whole thing. I love, And I also loved the um, analogy that Christine introduced of taking the hand off the knife. I thought that was a really, like, it was, perfect in the way that it spoke to who he is as a character. It reminds the audience who, where he came from. And because of course we see him as a superhero now. So it's easy to forget that he was a doctor first and that he did all of these things when he was a doctor too. And so this is hardwired into his personality. So it's a nice way of like showcasing that it's him and now he's changed and yeah, 100%. Loved this character arc. It was my favorite thing about this movie. And I will take a just fine version in movie one to get to this in movie two. <laughs> can we, can, I forgot to mention, and I don't know if y'all would agree, the whole question that was throughout the movie, are you happy? Yes. That to me was, he was actually trying to find out whether he was happy. Could he be happy like this? Mm -hmm. I thought that was a great way that he explored what was happiness for him. From a writer perspective, there's a difference between what the character thinks they want and what they actually need. And I felt like this, like that was one of the main, the heart of this film was 
him thinking what he wants is what he needs and then learning that it's something else entirely. Mark? Well, as, as a Doctor Strange fan, old school uh, from Steve Ditko's version on up, um, I love all of the little pieces and parts that he's gotten to play between Doctor Strange and now. Uh, and they've done a great job of delineating him very clearly, you know, his role and who he is and, and what he does and why it's different, you know. Um, and so uh, I, I, you know, and, and, you know, this is nothing. I, I don't have a problem with Chinglebrook slapty back at all. I mean, I think he's a, a fantastic um, uh, actor. And, and I think it's to his credit, I think, that he's been able to sort of mine this this superhero property for uh, some fairly, um, you know, detailed and interesting character work. So for this, this feels like a homecoming, this movie for me, because we get Sam Raimi back in the fold. We get to see... Um, for the first time ever, you know, they've been hinting at what the multiverse could do with what if, and we got to see, you know, the effects of it in WandaVision and, you know, of course, the Spider-Man movie, you know, really kind of was the first time we got to see that door open, but then to get uh, the Illuminati in, and uh, I can tell you that the audiences here at the theater lost their damn minds. I mean, just, you know, there were, there were 40 year old men, man crying uh, in the, in the theater acting like they were having an allergy attack when the nineties cartoon music played mm. and the yellow hover chair came out. Right. Mm. So for the, the amount of fan service that this was able to do and still be a movie that I loved and thought was great. And here's the other thing you know i i wasn't sure where this was going you know especially because you know they, they've done a great job of letting us know that you know this is a chapter in a larger story they've all been that way to one degree or another and <clears throat> characters are going to change characters are going to grow characters are going to die and so there was a part of me kind of looking at this going well, yeah, and certainly now the multiverse opens up the idea for anybody to come back or recast somebody, you know, uh, you know, to, to have Tom Cruise come in in Tony Stark's armor out of a portal and say, you know, uh, I need to speak to this, this, uh, this version's Tony Stark, and they go, he's dead, you know, I mean, it, it could happen, so whatever, but there's still a notion with these characters that that they're not fixed in space they're not set in stone so i think they did a really great job of opening that can of worms letting us see what what's possible and uh at no point did i think well they're going to turn this away in at, at the end i was like oh, I, I have no idea what's going to happen you know um i mean <laughs> Jeez, um, I, I actually kind of think the Illuminati scene was was put there 
Okay, all right. We were just talking about Doctor Strange and his arc in this right now. We're going to get to the fan service and the cameos and all that in a bit. Doctor Strange's arc is fantastic. Uh, I like that he's continued to grow and change. I I like that we're not through seeing him do stuff. Mm -hmm. So I am... I'm pleased with how that's shaping up and I, I, and, and he's still, despite having done these great things, he's still the utility player in the MCU, uh, which is, you know, in the, in the comics, that's him as well. He does not show up unless there's magic. He's not the guy to stop the mugging. He's the guy to stop the portal from opening. And in fact, you don't want Spider-Man for that. You need the, the, the wizard. Uh, so, so they're, they're doing a really great job of making the movie and the character both compelling and essential and without, um, without turning it into the Marvel magical cinematic universe as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm reminded of the meme after What If came back with its Guardians of the Multiverse at 100% strength and it showed the team. Then it said Guardians of the Multiverse at 99% strength and it was just strange. And so <laughs> that's, that's who he is. But uh, all right, so Paige, what do you think about uh, his arc of this movie? I really liked it a lot. Um, definitely touching back on the are you happy quote. Like that's, that's pretty powerful. Like to actually ask um, the, 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 the protagonist of the movie and then in turn kind of asking the audience as well too. Cause you hear that, you hear, you hear that being said and you're like, Oh shit, am I? <laughs> uh, so like that was that was really good to to pause it at the at the start of the movie. Um, seeing all the different versions of Strange as well too made the movie like his arc during the movie flow a little bit differently because it's usually like okay he's gonna he's gonna think he knows everything and then suddenly he's gonna not think he knows everything and he's gonna have a setback but then he's gonna rebound from that like this story more followed like oh i'm gonna see all the different ways that i could have screwed up and did screw up and then each version is going to change me along the way and then also i have to deal with everything else that's happening um so i really dug that structure of his of his arc during the movie um so it was way more for me way more interesting than the first movie which did play out more like a like a standard origin story for for him this was more of like an exploration of who he is and like where he's going okay so i'm gonna i i feel like because i don't want to go completely in this direction yet but i'm just gonna bring up as a preface to my talking about strange that i was heartbroken when scott derrickson uh left this project um i i am not a particular fan of sam raimi um, I do not like the first three Spider-Man movies that much. Uh, I am not a fan of horror either. I will say this movie was a um, was really great in some ways, and in other ways, I felt kind of failed. Um, and I feel sort of the same way about Strange and his arc. Like everybody's saying, the, like take the hand off the knife thing, and that arc, I really, really loved that. I liked the whole idea of him having to take a step back and say, you know, hey. I don't have to be the one that solves all the problems because sometimes I get in the way. And that was a good arc for him. I did say at the end of the last movie, Christine should be done. Like, you know, and I feel like this movie, again, Raimi's not subtle. And that's one of the issues I think with this movie is they had to say in words, 
what was present in subtext already in the previous movie that she couldn't be part of his life anymore. That farewell kiss at the end, I was like, that's it. She was necessary in the first movie as a touchstone to his former life as a doctor. In this movie, there should not have been a Christine at all. And we should have moved on. And I felt like this whole thing of needing to put him back with Christine, different versions of Christine, go through the whole Christine is an obsession and all of that kind of stuff just to get to the point of saying like, oh, okay, no, like now, hopefully she won't be part of this any further, especially with what we introduced in the post credit scene. And so, yeah, I just felt like that was sort of treading water. Um, the other thing that I have difficulty with, which again, maybe handled in a future movie um but it seems like he read the dark hold and all he got was a power up because the third eye in, in pop culture usually just means increased psychic awareness power or whatever and i'm like and it's almost like they treated it as he's the only one that gets to read the dark hold and like actually end up good from it rather than have like some sort of like horrible you know corruption happen which i didn't think like when they started letting him read the dark hold i was like wait what no like this <laughs> we've been establishing the dark hold even in like the tv properties before this as no one reads this thing without becoming horribly corrupted no matter what intentions they started with and um you know, so yeah, I, I had some difficulty with that as well. Core you, arc, I think. Are you a fan of? Have you read the comics? Are you into? Do you do you know? No, uh, no, I'm aware of the dark hold in the con. I know about the Montesi formula. I know about all sorts of. It, 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 but the issue is in the MCU, in the properties in the MCU, no one reads the dark hold without becoming corrupted, and so they change things in the MCU from the comics, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm talking about. A lot of the people that read the Darkhold in the MCU are basically reading the, not just reading the book, but they are performing multiple spells repeatedly throughout this book. This strange, Holt knew exactly the one he needed, did it once, and that's it. And I'm sure that we'll see in a future movie or something that he did suffer more than just gaining a third eye from him. I'm sure there's something horrible that comes with that. But he did specifically one and did not just go through the dark hole and be like oh i want to read everything and try all the things he he specifically needed to dream walk one spell that's it i i also didn't like the effect for the third eye but that's kind of a nitpick <laughs> i thought that it looked like very cheesy like 80s like effects you know where we, it's, where it's we cut weird. a hole out of the of the film and post in like you know it wasn't like a well done like really nice cgi or practical effect it was like it was like going for very old school like kind of you know thing and i was just like ooh, that just looks bad i disagree i disagree rel the cyclops is old school and if i've seen a plastic eye stuck to his the middle of his forehead i would have lost my damn mind well I you also don't consider crawl to be one of the greatest eye. movies of all time which I it is so I i'm just gonna, just gonna a boiled ass. your idea to the side here yeah, I know. Can, can i jump in on the dark hold for a second yeah please because i feel like I, i'm kind of in between the two of you in between juliet and nathan <clears throat> thinking about this because i also was like well he used the dark hole differently. However, they don't do enough explaining that in the movie. Mm -hmm. They verbally tell us that Wanda has been corrupted by the dark hold, but they don't show it. And that is one of the biggest problems that I have with the movie is that there's a lot of telling and not showing of some of those aspects, particularly around Wanda in the dark hold. And so there's things that aren't, I think, firmly established 
about how the dark hold works, how it corrupts, that I think we all would have benefited from actually seeing and getting to experience some instead of it just being like, she's corrupted and here we are now and he can read it and he's okay. And so, cause that's how, it, how it looks. It's almost like they want to have their cake and eat it too. It's like, well, they yes. want you to have seen agents of shield and runaways yeah. to know how the dark hold works, but they're it's... still flaky on the canonicity yeah. of agents of shield and runaways. Like, do those count? Do those not count? But it's like, but if you've seen those, you know how the dark hold works. That, that was my wheelhouse. As far as I know, they still don't work. They're still not canon though. They haven't right, not really official, that's why I said. officially. They've, they've yeah. never said for sure they're not, but they don't right. say they are either. So that's why I said they want to have their cake they and eat it control. too. Right, right now, Agent Carter is on Disney Plus and I'm kind of using Disney Plus as sort of like uh, unofficially the litmus test. If it's on Disney Plus and it's streaming, then maybe it's not canon but we're going to make use of it because they're going to do a daredevil thing with charlie yes well i I think at this point we can assume it could be part of the multiverse and therefore it's quote unquote part of the mcu but whether or not it's part of the 616 mcu is up for grabs And, and this is the assumption i just from what i've been able to sort of suss i have no um official word about this at all but i got the impression that with wandavision that was them basically going okay we're using the dark hold now we're gonna reset some stuff and so i don't think we need to factor agent carter and shield and runaways into this and i know nathan that you want to I know you do, buddy. I can feel you. You want the, you want the continuity. Well, no, I was I was addressing what Ali was saying though, because it seems like they wanted people to already be familiar with the dark hole to a degree that WandaVision and Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness doesn't give you, because Agents of Shield goes heavy into the dark hole, and so does Runaways. Mm-hmm. Exactly, um, and actually, like yeah. shows the effects of like someone, anyone reading the dark hole, not just like a sorcerer, mm-hmm. not not just a witch, but yeah. anyone reading that book, because like Ada did a just woo she 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 did it that season um <laughs> in agents of shield uh and and she was very effective with that book and she was not a human body <laughs> like she was kind of an ai and she just ran amok with that book um in honestly bigger ways than maybe the movies i don't know um but yeah i it does feel like they do want their their, their cake all around. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, I've never seen any of those shows, and I had no problems following what the Dark Hole mm. was thanks to watching. There you go. In this See, movie. that's I, the thing. Yeah. And I know nothing about it from the comics. So I think this I movie, think this only twists you up if you've seen those and you're trying to reconcile it. Well, out of curiosity, Allie, because I don't, I don't know, it. have you watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Runaways? I have indeed. I still okay. don't think that they establish it on screen. And that's the thing that counts is that needs to be established on screen. And, But I mean, like I said, this goes into a bigger problem that I have with Wanda's portrayal in this film. Okay, well, let's, well, first of all, I just want to ask. So, you know, I, I mentioned my thing about Christine. Does anyone have anything to follow up with on that too? Because I did want to give everybody, because I'm not going to take Christine as just a character because we don't even deal with the actual 616 version of Christine for very long in this movie. But Yeah, see, I, I don't think it was enough to, to be bothered by. I kind of like the fact that they put the, 
put the pin in it. So like, you know, now there's no doubt we're good. Let's move on. Uh, and, and part of the reason why we, we needed that is in the mid credit scene. Well, no, I think you could have done that at the beginning of the movie and, and gotten rid of Christine entirely because that's the thing. It's like, you know, how many Dr. Strange movies are we going to have three, four total? And it's well, like introducing Clea that late. I'm spoiler, you know, you'll jump to the end. Introducing Clea this late seems we're seems wrong a four, to me. Thor movie, so yeah, I don't I don't think you need to make that kind of call at all. We we might end up getting six Doctor Strange movies. You don't know, but here's the deal. I didn't. In answer to your question, it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I I was okay with it. I I my my when I saw her, I went, oh hey, and then I was like, but but at no point did I think. I wonder if they're going to get back together again. I knew that they weren't going to get, I mean, you know, it's clearly, uh, 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 you know, in the, in the Roberts rules of order uh, script writing, it's old business and we got to finish old business before we can do new business. So, but I didn't think that they they need. I think it was it was finished in the first movie. No, no, I didn't think no, so. No, I mean, I always tell people to watch the what if episode with Dr. Strange mm-hmm. and it is important. I think, not only for multiverse purposes, but Christine is an integral part of his story too. She was his heart in several of these universes and she's still an influential part of his life, even if he has to figure out that being with her isn't gonna, that's not gonna be his happiness. Right. Um, And I think that that it's cool that he got to figure that out. He never put the pin in that in the first movie. He didn't come to that final conclusion um, I think that this move, I think that having her in this, it wasn't overdone. I think it helped establish him putting that to rest for himself. If nothing else, it really puts the capper on the what if episode, right? I mean, yes. you know, yeah, that's the real, if, if we're supposed to, in fact, take all of this as, you know, we're supposed to be watching Disney plus and we're supposed to be seeing all this stuff. So you are, so I'm supposed to go in with that knowledge that he's not over Christine whether mm-hmm. i care or not oh, and i don't i don't care yeah to, 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 to be fair this goes into a broader issue i have with the mcu of them having it be like everyone's gotta have one love interest only and it never changes you know so it's like you know i'm like in the comics these characters had multiple love interests like it's fun like mm-hmm. like like making it be like it must be tony and pepper and only tony and pepper was like so weird to me because i'm like that was like his girlfriend in like the first 50 issues of iron man and then he moved on like you know like it was weird to me that it's like oh they're gonna get married and have a kid and everything and so you know it's just kind of like uh you know it's kind of a broader issue i have where it's like let them move on let them have other life and hoping christine isn't in the next doctor strange let me briefly address that because i think i i think it's important to understand that they're having to juggle between let's go 40 and 75 years of, of, of Oh, comedy. no, I agree. But I'm it's saying for a character like Tony, it doesn't suit his personality to only have one love interest. Whereas right. someone like Peter, well, if they want to streamline things and say like, it's just him and MJ, that's fine. You know, but so, we see Tony boinking a reporter. So there is that. Well, that was, yeah, that was our strange also, yeah. our strange also blipped for five years. There were five years when he wasn't in existence. He comes back and, you know, he's still got these feelings and things he hasn't resolved. She has. I'm, I'm really okay that they gave uh, Steve a love interest, not Sharon Carter, uh, down the road. 
I'm, I, you know, the, it, it's, it's become apparent that we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get Marvel movies, but they're not going to do the same thing that comic books do. And so they can, they can take more chances in terms of narration uh, and how they're going to build stuff. Um, there, there's, there can be a finality and an ending to it because, um, because the character doesn't go anywhere, just the movie. And so I'm really okay if, if we don't get Robert Downey Jr. back and then they'll do a different version of Iron Man or, or you know, uh, Don Cheadle will get to, to pick up the armor or whatever, however they're going to do it, whatever they decide to do, doesn't matter. Um, I would rather have three amazing Captain America movies that, 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 that feed my soul when I watch them and make me remind me of like every comic book I read in the seventies growing up. I'd much rather have three movies that are great than spread this stuff out and try to be everything at once. Cause they've, they've done stuff like that in the past. And that's how we get like two failed attempts at a fantastic four movie. That's how we get a daredevil movie. That's ass. That's how we get an Electra movie. That no my, my only point Mark is that some characters lend themselves to a personality of being monogamous and others do not. I think Tony Stark definitely is a character whose personality does not lend itself to being monogamous. That's all. And there are other characters like that too. I'm just saying every character doesn't need to be strictly in a monogamous relationship in the MCU. Tune in next time for the sexuality of Marvel's <laughs> universe. I mean, also there's like, the ending of Endgame is dumb and I hate it. And there's no reason why there is nothing in the character why Steve would go back in time. It doesn't make sense. And that and the only reason why is for We're going. We, you said this on Loki already, so it's there already. We Allie, just so had we're gonna, a conversation we're, at the Rocketeer about that movie. <laughs> still mad. Still mad. Okay. All right. But the, 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 no, no end game. No end game. We're moving on. I, I did. I did want to say just one thing about Rachel sure. and like. Uh, or, or, Christine. I do the same thing. I call her Rachel. And I'm like, oh no, Christine. (laughs) Well, this whole time I've been like, I'm just glad they gave Rachel McAdams something to do this movie and actually like stretch and actually be a character and be different versions of her character from the first movie because she didn't do anything in that last movie. But she actually got to do things this time. And that's all I cared about. (laughs) See, that was the thing. See, to me, she was just utility. It was like, we need to have someone who was a touchstone to his previous life. Now he's moved on. He's gone on to his new life. His past life doesn't need to be part of this. anymore. We don't need to bring up the doctor. The, the, here's the other thing that I don't like, and this has nothing to do with this movie. It has to do with what they did with him afterwards. I love that they gave him the gloves at the end of the, the first movie because of the idea of hiding his pain. The scars on his hands are his pain and hiding his pain. And then I think Benedict Cumberbatch, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have a name to call him. But anyway. That's a made up name, it's okay. I, I don't think he liked the gloves. So so it, so from like uh, Infinity War onwards, he hasn't had the gloves and I hate that because the gloves to me said so much about his character, about the fact that he was going to hide that pain from the world with the gloves. And, and I really wish he still had the gloves, but that that's, you know, that, that wasn't this movie's fault. They already did that. Um, but uh, but yeah, so let's talk about Wanda, though, because that's what, you know, Allie was getting into. So Allie, start us off 
Wanda, you already said you didn't like what they did with Wanda. So, so go forward. Just <laughs> to be clear, I'm cool with her being a villain mm. for anyone who's upset about that. That's not where my beef is coming from. The, for Wanda's character, it felt like there was no act one. It felt like there was WandaVision, which was a prequel. And then there was a t- chunk of time that we didn't get to see anything about. And suddenly she's the villain. And her whole arc just doesn't make a lot of sense. Just really quick. Did you see the post credit scene in WandaVision? Absolutely. Okay. But that's not enough. <laughs> this is exactly what I saw when we saw the post credits. I was like, oh, you know, like this is bad. Yes, but we, like I said, we didn't get enough context in the show about, because WandaVision did not establish that the Darkhold corrupted Agatha. We didn't get that portion of it. It was a book. Like there's nothing in WandaVision that, that clearly says this will corrupt you. And I treat, I do absolutely treat the other MCU, the other properties that are not officially MCU as being alternate universe, that's not necessarily the rules that are go- they're going to establish here. So I don't bring in a lot of that extra. And, and tough for us because we see the Darkhold on screen and we go, oh, and then whoever we're in the room with goes, what, what, what happened, what, what'd you see? And I'm like, mm, I'll tell you later, but just golly. I mean, then, I do yeah. too. But I also just say, okay, I can't think about right. that. How it's is, on, how is this they the have to show it to me first to be able to say that's canon in this universe. And they didn't show <laughs> all that we got was that little bit. And we got her hearing her children crying for help. Those are not the kids that she goes after. She goes after any kids. And, and the ones that she seems to pick are the ones in 838 that are happy with their mom. <laughs> and so her motivation for going after them, it, I mean, it is a corrupt motivation, which that goes in with the dark hold at least good job there, but it doesn't make sense with the character that I knew coming out of WandaVision because at the end of WandaVision, she knows what she did to the people of Westview and she feels bad about it. It's one of those things that I wish that they had just reversed those beats. If she had not known at the end of WandaVision that what she had done was a bad, and instead we then see her get corrupted and then understand by the end of this film, oh, what I did in Westview was also bad. Maybe I have been the monster all the time. I would have bought all of this so much more because it would have felt more like a whole arc. It felt like one arc here that got finished in WandaVision and then we just backtracked and pretended and then we did a second arc where she was a villain. We are, I mean, like we did an arc where she was a villain and we could have just continued that arc and made her more villainous. Okay, I'm gonna say right here because this is another thing I wanted to bring up. All the initial reports about this movie said it was two hours and 45 minutes long. The movie that actually got released was like two hours and two minutes long. I think that there was a lot of stuff cut from this movie. And I wish I had gotten that two hour and 45 minute version because I did feel that there were some things that felt like they were kind of glossed over or frenetic. And here's the other thing. You know, all the initial word was that in the second movie, we were going to get Nightmare. And remember how there was so mm-hmm. much talk about dreams and people getting specific dreams and stuff like that. I feel like Nightmare was probably present originally and either in the script or in the editing 
was removed from the movie and they glossed it over with this you know yes i've read h beam piper too sam raimi and i get the whole idea of dreams are just like your parallel versions i think that was probably a bad move moving forward because it's going to constrain you uh oh but, my gosh but, it's you know. <laughs> no it's such a bad idea it's it's just oh yeah, I but, really but, but, wish but, that they had done that. But, but I'm just saying, like, Nightmare seems to have been excised from the movie. And it would have made a lot more yeah. sense if Nightmare was was feeding people these dreams for a specific purpose, like creating a breach that he can come out of and manifest physically or something like that. And so I think they felt like maybe that was one beat too many or whatever. But, like, that that was something that that I thought because of the fact that, yeah, like, back when Scott Derrickson was directing it, he was tweeting pictures of Nightmare. So I think that might have been one of the things that, you know, was part of the kerfluffle when he left. Um, but uh, but yeah, sorry. I mean, that is getting a little away from Wanda, but I did want to bring that up, that there was a longer <laughs> cut of this movie. And I think a lot of significant cut stuff got cut out. A longer cut probably would have helped Wanda's story a lot, because like I said, it just it falls apart really fast when you start picking at it, because her whole reason for going after America is to steal her powers so that she can go get the boys. But America's story is that her moms are gone and you've got a mom looking for her kids. Like this just seems like these two characters should very easily marry together. Like why doesn't Wanda just get a daughter? <laughs> it's just such an uneasy fix to this story that is just really frustrating to watch. And the reason given in text, again, there's a lot of telling, not showing, is that, well, if they get sick, then I can jump to another universe. That's why I have to have the power, which is just dumb. And I'm like, the true corruption of the Darkhold is not that it makes you evil, it's that it <laughs> makes you abandon all logical sense. Well, this is the thing, and this is what I'm talking about with Raimi not being subtle. He wanted Wanda to be the creature from the ring, and that's what he did. He turned her into the creature from the ring and whatever other horror things he wanted to turn her into. And it's like, but there there wasn't like a lot of like, like plot behind it. It was just like, I wanted to be the scary thing. And they did a good job of making her a scary yeah. thing. <laughs> and that's one of the things that works is a lot of the visuals in this movie are kind of like horrifying mm -hmm. and are very well done. So, you know, um, but now, uh, I'm yeah. going to clarify that this movie was not written by Sam Raimi. It was Michael Waldron. No, who, it was Michael Waldron. Yes, who did WandaVision. So he should be the person. Oh, he did Loki. Oh, oh, right, right. Yeah, uh, he he's a very good writer. I just, I don't like the script as much. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, we get into that with writers and directors, but directors choose the tone and direction mm. of the film and choose what things get included from the script. So I still feel like the director has a lot of creative control. So um, this may be a this may be a bad thing because, you know, I hear everything that you're saying, Allie, and I don't disagree with the points that you've brought up. But when I'm watching this as someone that is intimately familiar with the characters and have has watched all of the stuff leading up to whatever the current movie is and usually the week before going back and watching the last thing you know just to refresh myself i find that those problems did not bother me in the watching because i was doing plenty of spackling right i was i was just feeling free to jump right over that and so you know 
it's hard to know going forward. I mean, they are, they're doing a lot of heavy lifting now. There, there's going to be, it, this multiverse is going to widen a bunch of, shit, you know, exponentially more, I think, than, than just introducing uh, lovable misfits in space would have done. So I could see where they're wanting to sort of, you know, compress the storytelling into, you know, let's just get the high beats and the essential elements and, and leave it at that. So, um, yeah, I mean, really the question is, and, and, and it's not something we can answer because we're all nerds, but what do everybody else, what, what do the not us think about this? That's really, I think, the, the question. Did they get it or not get it or you know because we're 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 meta at this point all of us for one reason or another um so i i'm curious again it's not a question we can really answer but but you know i i just i was watching this and i was letting it wash all over me like a gentle soothing rain you know and uh and felt you know uh just beautifully warm water trickling down my chest as as i just drank this in and I've never uh, heard a Sam Raimi movie be described as it <laughs> <laughs> just want to note that well what else would you call Evil Dead 2 Paige? I mean, <laughs> you know when the tree grabs the girl you know it's something right incidental for crying out loud the whole thing's a metaphor for art anyways <laughs> the point is is that I I just absolutely um yeah I, I yeah and maybe maybe that's maybe that's a problem that's going to bite them in the ass, you know, as we get further down the line, I don't know, but they're being really aggressive right now, you know, putting America in this early it, to me was aggressive. Um, oh, I mean, again, it was a fan service moment because it, it ultimately was like the tubing on the USS enterprise. It goes nowhere and does nothing that Illuminati scene, you know, what we got was an old school X-Men movie checklist card. Oh, hey, look who it is. It's him. Oh, my God. From the, from the TV show that all of us hated. Check. He's in Star Trek now. Oh, he's dead. Well, all right. We'll just keep going with the movie then, I guess. You know, that was a weird. Uh, that, that was five minutes of, of uh, patting on the back. And, and that... It, economically speaking that five minutes could have been used to no well, i don't know fill in some stuff about the dark hold i'm just saying so i was waiting for you to bring it back around to wanda <laughs> i I'll, I'll i i go wide but i'll get i'll get there i'll get there so anyways uh i i liked uh wanda i you know obviously this is not the first time she's been a villain in the comics uh and uh, i i adored wandavision uh, for some personal reasons, as well as just the, the idea is whole thing about struggling with grief was I was watching it while I was struggling with grief. So I, I, I like, I got it. I was like, you know what? It. I would have, I would have, I would have picked the dark hold up too. Yeah. I, you go Wanda, you do what you need to do. I was, I was, I was on her side. So I, I you know, I liked it. And I liked the fact that she's going to be a villain for a little bit. I, I, I do think we're going to swing back around. I mean, vision is still out there right now. Um, so we're, th this is going to come back around again, probably in, in the climax of 
whatever the phase four thing is going to be, if it's Kang or who, I don't know. But um, I, I, right now, they still have a lot of credit with me. And so I, even though I might go, yeah, that was a little sloppy or I wish, I, I wish they'd done it a little differently, I'm fully on board to see where they go with it because I still feel like even when they don't always hit the right details, I recognize those characters. And mm -hmm. that's something that I can't say happened before 2001 with the X-Men. So um, prior, you know, I, I have, I have a line of demarcation prior to this where a superhero movie would come out and I'd go, Oh, geez, God, come on guys. You know, and they go, don't you like that? And I go, no, I don't like comics. Comics are for kids. Don't be stupid. <laughs> and now I have, I have conversations with bank tellers, you know, who, who want to know what I thought about, you know, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp in the quantum realm. Uh, and, and there's a, there's a conversation in the drive-in I never thought I'd have with the bank teller. So, um, so yeah, they, 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 they haven't burned through that credit with me yet, even though I do see what you're saying and, and agree that they could be, they could be tightening up their storytelling. I hope it doesn't bite them on the ass. Speaking of tightening up. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. But I will say this Mark, cause I, I can't divorce myself from my comics knowledge. And so to, to, to Ali's point, when she's talking about just taking what's on screen, you know, it's a little bit different. Cause yeah, I also had the background of knowing that, oh yeah, Scarlet Witch has gone cray cray several times in the comics and has done yeah. awful things. Mm -hmm. And so that, that makes sense that we're dovetailing into that sort of a storyline. But again, like take, I can't take that out of my brain and say like, what would I think if I didn't have that knowledge? And so I, I do understand what Ali's talking about with yeah. just take the evidence on screen and don't take in any of that prior expectation. It's tough to do. Yeah. And don't don't get me wrong. Like, I will kiss Marvel's ass forever. But, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to also point out when they've done something a little bit rocky. <laughs> sure. And, and Paige, what did you think about Wanda's story of this? I it went more or less how I expected it to go. I kind of felt like at the end of WandaVision, she was going to use the Darkhold to create her sons out of like whole cloth. And maybe she needed like, um, like America Chavez as like a battery for that. And I was like, oh, okay. But like the whole dimension hopping part, I'm like, that doesn't, you're just taking sons from, are you, no, that doesn't make, you didn't. Mm. I was like, can't <laughs> you find a universe where they lost their mom? Exactly. And so it'd be exactly. like, hey, you know, like you lost your mom. I lost my kids. Right. Let's, you know. So I felt that was a pretty big plot hole that I was like, <laughs> okay, guys, I don't know. Um, but I, I really like. I love Sam Raimi movies. <laughs> like I <laughs> love them for forever. So the second that, like, her arc and what they did with her in the movie especially visually wouldn't have been as cool if it wasn't if it wasn't sam raimi doing it um if it was like anyone else not putting a style and a flair on what she was doing visually i i i would have fallen right off of it but i'm i was okay going with this version of wanda that i wasn't especially looking forward to because of how they represented her on screen. Like she was powerful. She was just handing out L's to everyone. And it was effortless. 
And I love that display of power and her being a force of nature that they all had to deal with and they could not. Um, so that was an absolute joy <laughs> for me to watch. Um, but yeah, like it, what did I want to see her go down the villainous route so hard in this movie? Not really. Do I think that it had a whole lot of plot holes in it, especially when it came to grabbing random sons from random dimensions and then how they cleared everything up in the end? Oh boy, do I. Uh, so yeah. I'm kind of like in the middle on 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 how she was. <laughs> okay, and Juliet. So I'm the person who doesn't know Scarlet Witch from the comics. I don't know Wanda at all from the comics. So the only knowledge I have of her is in the MCU, uh, you know, the movies, WandaVision, and a little bit of wiki reading, which is definitely doesn't cover everything. So I get I get to give you that perspective of the person who has only seen on screen. And for me, I am not a parent. Um, I, you know, I, the only basis I have is my mom, who was, who was a single mother, and um, my friends who are parents, some of them who have lost their children. And for me, from basing from what I've seen and experienced uh, from them, I felt like Wanda's arc made sense. In WandaVision, yes, she was dealing with, first off, primarily the grief of losing vision. She, WandaVision put that, allowed her to put her grief for vision only to rest. But she had created this entire world for herself that was in this world. She gave birth to these children and raised them. They were very, very real to her. And when she had to face it, that they weren't here, um, I think that broke her a little bit. So when the dark hold, when she got a hold of the dark hold, in my mind, this may not be how it actually happened, that's what started working it to corrupt her, was it helped her. It, 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 I don't think it tells her things that necessarily aren't true. Like in a way she was able to figure out that she created the image of these children because they exist in other universes. So of course in her, you know, her dreams, she was able to create these children which let her know they exist somewhere. And I think the reason she went after the children in uh, that particular earth was because they were happy. They were well-adjusted. She thought she could just take over that particular Wanda. They'd never know the difference. It would, and they'd be her children. With I, if that she hadn't had the dark hold, of course she wouldn't even gone down that path. But that Wanda wasn't real. That Wanda didn't matter. She's the only one that matters. So I think that's why she didn't have any problem just mutilating this poor Wanda's body, turning her into what looked like a walking zombie, thanks to walking on a bunch of broken glass, which I thought was kind of uh -huh. cool looking. Um. <laughs> I haven't Do I, done this yet, but I, I, and I need to, because I suspect that this, I, I saw, I think they started it in WandaVision. I'd be interesting to see if it follows through. I'd like to see if all of the stuff that she does maps to the five stages of grief. I wouldn't be surprised if, if, I mean, I think the Darkhold obviously just exaggerated things. Right. But yeah. I, to me, this felt like a natural arc. I know people were like, this didn't make any sense. She settled all this. I'm like, no, she settled things about vision and only vision. And now she's having to come to terms with the fact that her, these children do exist. Her children exist, but they're not her children, but they are her children. And she needs to find them because this dark hold has basically, and she, it's given her the power to do this. So to me, it made perfect sense. Again, having seen my mom as a single mother and having seen friends of mine who have lost their children 
uh, just go through the grief. And I'm fairly certain that if they had had a spell book that would give them the power to travel universes and find their children again, not a single hesitation in any of them would they have done that. Um, and it takes time to get past that. And she didn't have that. She had the dark hole twisting into her brain. I felt so awful for her for that. And I think she wanted America because like she said, she wasn't just going to hop to new children. She was going to keep that ability to be able to go find cures if her children got sick. She was going to stick with those kids and she was going to make sure she had the ability to take care of them no matter what. She needed all of the power to protect the children that she felt were hers. And it wasn't until obviously America showed her that, she, you know, that what she really was, you know, the kids looked at her and they knew that's not their mom. That's so not their mom. She, and she realized that was what broke her. She was like, I, they're, they're right. I, I am not their mother. And it took, it took so much. So yes, I loved her arc. I felt like it was a very natural arc and she needed to come to that resolution regarding her children. Yeah. So, so I was, my opinion on the Wanda thing is I breathed a sigh of relief at the end of the movie because I said they stuck the landing because I felt like if they created some sort of happy ending thing where mm -hmm. somehow she was able to have her kids back or whatever, that that would have felt so false after all the bad stuff that she's done to be handed the, oh, but now you can have this version of your kids and now everything's going to be all right would have just like set me off and I was worried about that I was worried about trying to like force a happy ending into it and for for that reason I was I was happy with that ending because I know in the comics they've eventually given her her kids and I hate that it's one of the things I hate more than anything that 30 years later they're like oh no you can have your kids that were really illusions like and I'm just like no 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 I'm I want Young Avengers in the MCU probably more than anyone else. Yeah. No, I am very. We're not no, going no, here. I'm just gonna say I'm very happy with this ending. I don't need them back now. Mm. In fact, there I feel like they set it up perfectly. If they wanted to do a children's crusade arc and have them somehow in the MCU go in search for their spiritual mother, fine. They, they can they can do it. They're set up for it. I was happy with it. I actually asked one of my friends who saw it before me, am I going to be disappointed? And she said, no, you'll be fine. And I was, I was totally fine with it. But I agree with you. I think that they ended this movie the correct way. Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing. Marvel isn't DC. And I think the minute Marvel decided that we're going to do what DC does and have junior versions of the characters, I was like, no, no. I think the last 20 years of Marvel have been a mistake. But anyway, we're going to, we're going to move on from that. <laughs> we're going to move on from that. I know they're going to do Young Avengers because they're laying all the groundwork, but I hate it. I hate it with the heat of a thousand no. suns. But anyway. You don't understand Young it Avengers. It should be New Warriors, and they're skipping New Warriors to go to Young <laughs> Avengers. I, I hate Young that Avengers. they're skipping the 80s and 90s and going straight to the zeros. But anyway. anyway. I love that I, I have no idea Avengers. what y'all are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yes, be glad of that. Yes. <laughs> all right, but... um. But yeah, so so uh, just really quick, because I, I don't want to spend a lot of time with this, but there are two questions that didn't come up when we talked about Wanda that I just want to make sure that I just everybody weighs in on. A, is Wanda dead? 
B, are you weirded? So many people are like, where was Vision in this? Where, was, were any of you expecting Vision in this movie? No. No, no I was actually no. a little creeped out by the Ultron robot. Vision wasn't supposed to be there. I mean, right, that's, and that's the thing. And that's the, and yeah. again, I mean, WandaVision wasn't super clear, but I felt like they gave you enough to know that White Vision isn't the same as it. He has all the memories of Vision, but none of the emotion. And mm -hmm. that's the important thing is he knows what he did as Vision after the, the Vision and Wanda, that Wanda created unlocked those memories, but he, there's no emotion. So that's the difference. And so that's why he's not connected with Wanda's story at all. Yeah, um, I didn't expect him at all. The, the only Vision that I was curious about was the one that is probably still alive in 838 because their Thanos battle went totally different. And you can actually see in the flashback to where they're when Xavier is doing the um, vision of what happened, mm. he does not. Thanos doesn't have the Mind Stone in the Gauntlet, so therefore Vision is probably still alive, which is probably also why Wanda has Billy and Tommy. And although so, we don't explain how an android can conceive a child with a woman, listen, I'm not caring about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I care a lot about that because I'm like, here, those kids shouldn't magic. exist in any universe, like really, because magic. there's no way they could ever happen. Any documentation? I, I agree, but like, like we're we're creating this they world. They have to be imaginary we're constructs. Just, we're just gonna go with it. All right, but anyway, so. But, uh, no. but it's a. I did wonder where he is in that world. Is, sure. Are they? have they divorced and she's not with him anymore? Was he never in the picture? And yes, she just made up children on her own. To, you know, I, that was the one universe that I wondered where is vision, is, but otherwise not at all. Send him to the grocery store. It's obvious. I mean, they were out of milk. They needed cereal. He went out for cigarettes and just, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they, they couldn't afford to pay Bob Bettany after paying everyone else to cameo in this oh. movie. I but, assume so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by All the right, way, but, but as for the Wanda dead, does anyone think Wanda is dead? Oh. No. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm like, you see I mean, a flash yeah. just before the rocks go crushed. I'm pretty sure that was Wanda part teleporting part. out. But yeah. It's like, do you not see the money? <laughs> The only dead I might imagine is like perhaps she doesn't have her memory or something along those lines, which is exactly the plot line that they did in the comic books. So I wouldn't be surprised if she wasn't our Wanda the next time we see her, but she's not dead. That's a good way to reset her back to being like yes. at least a neutral entity <laughs> and not a actively hostile one. Well, if there were any questions before this movie about how powerful Wanda is I think this one laid them to rest because the thing that annoyed me in all the movies since Doctor Strange with as far as his fights is that he never tried to trap anyone in the mirror dimension like in Infinity War he never tries mm -hmm. to trap anyone but yeah. he traps Wanda in the mirror dimension I was like yes that's what I've been saying like why did you do that to Ebony Maw or Thanos or any of these mm -hmm. other I mean Thanos would have been able to get out because he had the reality stone at that point but Ebony Maw he could have just gotten rid of him by putting him yeah. in the mirror dimension he would have been screwed in there <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Nathan, but if he did that then we wouldn't have gotten to see the Crimson Bands of Ciderac being cast on film. Come on, man, work it out. But, but I like that because then Wanda's able to get out of the mirror dimension. And again, it was like, holy crap, you know, like that was yeah. supposed to be that moment of, oh, you know, so that, yeah. that worked really well. I got my Crimson Bands of Ciderac. That's all that matters. Everything else can go hang fire. I've seen Inception, okay? I get that, all right? What I didn't get in Inception, Crimson Bands of Ciderac. So there we have it. All right.
All right, so America Chavez is probably our third, you know, main character in this thing. And I'm just going to start. So I know nothing about this character other than that I've heard the name before. I didn't realize she was from another universe uh, or any of that. I just heard the name and was like, God, that is the worst name that anyone has ever come up with for a comic character before. And I was like, okay, I get the whole, like, you know, uh, Latina representation and all that. But then she's from another universe. So I'm like, so she doesn't even have the same experience as... <laughs> You know, so I'm still like, that's a little weird because it's like, we want to make this like a character that people can identify with, but it's like the her world's different. So that's not the same. I don't know. But anyway, I, I, I was weirded out by her and her, you know, like conclusion in the movie. But, but I did like sort of the development, like, like the relationship between her and, and Strange. And I wish that that was one of those things that I wish that we had more time with, because it does seem kind of fast that it goes from her a little bit unsure of him from her experience with the previous one to you're my buddy and you know you're 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 number one in my book kind of thing and so um I was just kind of kind of curious about everybody's thoughts about her as a character so um Juliet what about you I also knew nothing about her uh, but at the same time I thought her power was kind of really cool the fact that she didn't know how to control it in the beginning and but she figured it out, even if it was just, you know, instinctual, go for it, rock on. And Strange was the one that had the faith that she would be able to do it. I liked the fact that there seemed to be, I'm not sure if I'd call it parent-child relationship, but definitely Strange wanted to protect her. And I think he wanted to protect her even more after he kept seeing how his other versions kept screwing up, especially, you know, the Strange that tried to kill her. Um. I I thought it was a nice, she was a nice contrast to him. He's this person who is in ultimate control of his own power. He knows every single bit of it. And here is a girl who has no clue what she's doing and it just happens. And I thought it was a, a good moment for him that he didn't even, he, he can't train her to use this. He just has to be able to give her the confidence that she can do it. It's kind of interesting that they seem to be training her as a sorcerer at the end too. So I thought the star shape was really weird, um, but it was. But I handled it. I do like the fact that they that she uh, is able to learn how to become a sorcerer. Has access to you know, like Strange says, and even the ancient one had said, anybody can do it. It's study and practice. And she seems to be having the same struggle that Strange did in the beginning, which was again very cute. I thought so she was a fun character. I want to see her some more. I want to see where she comes from. I did have to go wiki her and her universe is apparently called what utopia something or something weird like that it's this, it's this absolutely perfect place apparently yeah it looked like so the bad. emerald city or something when they showed that little bit of it i was like is she from oz <laughs> i felt so terrible that she just like lost her mom's through mm -hmm. uh, through just an accident that it was just she blames herself for it and again strange has to help her get over that too that it's not her fault so she was a fun character. I I really enjoyed having her there and having that relationship between her and Strange and Wong. I thought it was very cool. Okay, Paige? I, I'm very familiar with the character. Uh, so <laughs> I, was, I was very happy to see that she was gonna actually like be in the movie. Um, this is a very different 
or at least an early representation of this character. Cause like the one that I'm more familiar with is like headstrong, knows who she is, will punch you into next November in another dimension in an instant. And 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 that's the that's America Chavez that, that I, I I I thought I was going to get. Um and then this one is fine. It's just it feels like a like a pre-version of her. I don't think she's staying in that sorcerer uh community for very long uh i think she's going to get kicked out uh <laughs> i don't think she has the attention span for it um how she was used in the movie um i felt she was a little mcguffiny uh she got tossed around a lot um so that 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 did kind of make me like all right she's kind of she gets thrown up in the air she screams and she gets put back down on the ground. Okay, we're about T minus 20 minutes until she gets thrown up in the air again and then gets put back down on the ground. Um, so that was a little irritating. <laughs> um, but other than that, like, I think that when we see her later in other movies, she might be more um, like, like, like in herself, she's she, she she probably will have found found her center a little bit more. Um, she'll probably have found her confidence a little bit more. Um, so I'm looking forward to that version of her. I think a little bit more. I would not be surprised if she ends up having a cameo in the uh, Ms. Marvel TV show. Oh yeah! Oh, that'd be so good. I would love to see them interact. Yeah, Allie. Uh, like Paige, I'm very familiar with America because she's in Young Avengers, and um, and I was also kind of like, this is not, this is not the America that I, that I was expecting, but this is much more a like toned down version, and also the character that they're presenting in the MCU is younger, yes, than the character presented in uh, the comics. So that's part of I think where they're coming from yeah. also their backgrounds like the backstory is different so there's a lot of things that are different about the character it's very clear that they are trying to take a different take um and so that's all fine I'm willing to accept those things and willing to accept that one of the things that we're going to see is see her grow uh into it and I am excited to have her in the MCU and I can't wait to have her hang out with Kate Bishop uh, and Mark I am too old uh i'm 52 uh, but i should let everybody know that my i read at the 56 year old level so my, <laughs> my parents are very proud um i've always been accelerated in that respect uh this character comes along way after my time so i don't have any attachment to the character uh i do not have a problem with the character uh at all and say that up front uh i was not a big fan of young avengers uh or you know uh, or new warriors for that matter but i don't i'm not yeah i know well i i i did like no maybe nichieza can do no wrong i mean i'm just saying it <laughs> you and danny finger off uh all right well so here's the deal um all that being said i kind of don't care and I don't mean that in a in a negative way. Um, I'm not I, surprised. I was I was um, I was surprised that they. I'll tell you what, the only thing that I, I continue to scratch my head about is there are other dimensional hopping characters 
that they could have used that were that were already there this felt like they bent america into a different shape to introduce her and yes yeah and, so, I can agree. and, and as somebody who cares implicitly and has cared for my entire adult life that that if you put a, a, a property that I love on screen, I understand that you have to change the shape of the story to make it fit into a movie instead of a comic book or a radio show or whatever. But I want to recognize that character. Um, so the Rocketeer made some changes, but I recognize the Rocketeer. Hellboy, a lot of changes. Hellboy was still Hellboy. Spider-Man was Spider-Man in the first two movies. And Tony Stark showed up as Tony Stark in the Iron Man movie. They've done a fantastic job in the Marvel Universe thus far of even when they make changes, I can look at that character and go, no, I recognize him. That's, that's Dr. Strange, you know? Uh, you, know it, it, you know, and so, um, so I can't answer the question because I don't know enough about the character, but I do know that that what she was doing in this in the show isn't Miss America, which was the thing that I mean, she you know, she's a she's a Captain America analogy, you know, uh, or she or not an analogy. She's analogous to Captain America strength, endurance, you know, all that good stuff. So I so, you know, um, it didn't bother me that she was in the movie. I, I dug it. I, I liked, um, I liked the actress. I thought she was great. I thought she, uh, she paired well with Grindelwald wiggly bits. So, you know, all of that was fine. Um, but I, I, but I don't have a, I don't have a horse in this race at all with her. So, um, I will defer to, uh, to, uh, you folks who have read the character and and know and care i just i would like to know do you feel like she was adequately represented or did that matter i'm curious i would just want to just to be clear her power set is the same they didn't change her power set really okay yes I, so so as miss america she dimensionally travels yes okay she and she's from a different dimension she's not from Earth 616. I am happy to learn that. Okay, cool. Well, that's then I'm going to I'm going to dial back about half of that criticism, but only <laughs> about half because I still don't think she she was recognizable to me. But but again, I'm I'm not the expert here. So um I will say this though, the one thing that I didn't like was again, I think that they're hurting themselves for future storytelling. I'm the only America Chavez in the multiverse because I don't dream. And I'm like, so no what ifs with America Chavez, people. Like, you know, like again, like it was that kind of stuff. Like I feel like they squandered the multiverse several times in this movie, or you know, like by setting up things that they have to follow now that are like. What, why, why would you have like that choice just limits you? Why would you have just had her say that line? Like, there's no reason for her to say that line. It's can just, I, like, can I help you with something, Nathan? Yeah. As soon as they need this, they're the, the episode three of the young Avengers TV series uh, coming 2024 on Disney plus that's for you, Allie. Uh, it's going to start with her. 
doing something cool uh, as as Miss America, and then uh, something's going to happen, and then Wanda's going to show up, and then Doctor Strange is going to show up, and then Wong is going to turn around and go, wake up, and she's going to bolt up out of bed and covered in sweat and go, I can dream now? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree that they can do that, but then like having to you. put yourself in a position where you have to retcon yourself that that easily is like one of those things. Again, it's there's bad no writing. Retcon. I mean, it's like, not retcon. It's never say never. It's there's no retcon. It's, it's fine. You you shouldn't establish things absolutely like that and then have to like go later on and be like, oh, actually that wasn't true. Like it's again, it's an easy thing to foresee as a problem. It's probably <laughs> going to cost them millions of dollars in ticket sales. Uh, Nate, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I don't think that one's a big one. I mean, yeah. it can easily be someone. I mean, there are people who don't dream. <laughs> that doesn't mean that they're the only person in the multiverse. There's something else going on. I know. But again, that line was just awful, though. Like, I'm the only one because I never dream. And it's just like the emphasis, the everything. It was just like, again, I didn't like child. the dream thing anyway. I didn't like the whole She's dream a... thing anyway, which for people who don't know, H. <laughs> Beam Piper was a writer in the 60s that wrote the Paratime series. And in it, he posits that when you're sleeping because your consciousness is untethered from the physical plane and it's on the astral plane, you can communicate with your other selves and other realities in the past. So when you make a decision, you're remembering the bad choice your other self in another universe made and you decide to make a different choice and that's why there are parallel realities and and it's 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 fine and just like a little explanation but as soon as you start thinking about it it falls apart so like <laughs> i didn't like that they went that way for the multiverse and marvel in the movies but whatever um i agree with you on that one <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> uh but um so uh yeah so let's talk about the multiverse and how it was utilized in the movie you know i gave i gave you know i give some criticisms about it and i also am sort of worried about this idea that every time you dimension hop you could create a breach between because in marvel people dimension hop all the time and it's not a problem <laughs> and it's like why introduce the multiverse if you're then going to make it dangerous to do the multiverse because if you want to do the multiverse then then open the gates and let people just pass through don't make it like oh but we're gonna now limit you from the multiverse even though we've established it we're gonna say it's a problem and it's a danger and don't do it and it's I don't just think like it's uh... like that i think it's more like you know when you poke like a needle through a piece of fabric one time you just make a tiny little hole nothing bad but if you keep poking it through that fabric around the same spot that hole gets bigger and bigger oh, and oh, i understand that but what i'm saying is that in in, in the comics it's not like that at all you can dimension Again, hop as much as you want, as often as you want. And how it's often like, have we been changing the comics? Well, no, no, no. And I get that. I'm just saying, again, it's limiting their possibilities in the future storytelling. And I think that any decision where you limit yourself right from the get-go is a bad decision when you have like a movie franchise that you want to go on for years and years and years. Because you either have to retcon yourself or you have to limit yourself. And both of those are bad. It's why I don't read comics anymore. I'm sick of the retcons. But anyway... I I think they're doing it on purpose. I think that they are purposely making it um, tenuous because they want an out. And so they are creating an out early because they don't, I mean, like, even though it is like, oh, great, we can tell all of these stories. We can recast our characters. We can be doing this forever. Wonderful. They still have to look like they, they're, they, you know, Kevin Feige jokes about, a thousand years in the future but that's not what they're looking at they're looking at making 
Disney happy now. And they're looking at making money now. So what can you imagine? You can imagine something that's maybe 10 years out with a story. Right. They did that retreat recently. That was the 10 year plan. Yeah. So, so with that in mind, I think that they have created something that's a little bit more tenuous. So that way they have an out. I think that they are building towards an eventual kind of secret wars kind of thing where we've got the two universes colliding, and then we will get a different MCU that maybe doesn't have a multiverse for a while. And then maybe they will go back and do another multiverse. And I think we're just going to go back and forth like this until the MCU is over. (laughs) But I think that they did it on purpose. It's Marvel doing what DC has done. And again, I didn't like that they did that in the comics also because it's like the whole crisis on infinite earths thing was a was a dc thing they need the wiggle room because they need to be able to to make a change uh in midstream if need be um yeah one of the things that you know i mean captain marvel was shoehorned in in response to the how come you ain't got no women in your shows uh comment and it pushed everything back and I think they decided going forward that they were going to uh, stay flexible so that if they need to move something around, if they need to add something in, if they need to change something because the, the, uh, the political winds, uh, you know, blow in a different direction all of a sudden, then, then that's what they can do. You have to always take into account the economic weight of what they're doing. I mean, it's... Well, well, yeah, but the multiverse already gave them that because they can always say, we're done making movies in this universe. Now we're going to show movies in this other universe without having to merge universes or anything. You can just say, this is a different universe now that we're setting our movies in with characters that are somewhat but slightly different from the ones that you were familiar with before. Easy. Right, but they also don't want to change up what they've been doing because it's been wildly successful. So you got to, you know, they're feeling their way. It's not a, it's an unenviable position. I mean, on one hand, I think they're doing a great job. And on the other hand, I wouldn't want to be them having to deal with all those different forces, uh, fans, the internet, Twitter, Disney, (laughs) you know, I mean, all of it, it's just, it's just, it's just a, it's a hot mess. So in that uh, respect, I feel like, um, like the movie didn't go hard enough in, in when it comes to like multiverse and really playing with that concept. Like, I don't know if I, if everyone was seen like everywhere, every, like everything everywhere at once. Like if, if everyone's seen that movie. I haven't seen it, but I, I get it from the previews. Like that is the multiverse movie of the year. And they push what that definition is as far as that can go. And I think that coming from that movie and then seeing this one and having this one literally being titled Multiverse of Madness, we got the madness part, but the multiverse part, I feel like they could have, they could have pushed harder. They could have done a couple more creative things. And I think that you're all right that like they were probably hamstrung by everything else they have in motion and Disney and the fans and the, the every single writer of every single other movie making sure everything talks to each other enough. Two hour <laughs> and 45 minute version. Yes, I, I, <laughs> I bet there's some goodies in there. <laughs> it would have been nice to see more of the multiverse instead mm-hmm. of just that one sequence where they yeah. fall through it. It would have been nice to get a little bit more time in not necessarily that many, 
but we really only go to one other universe and it would have been and the gap dimension it would have been nice to get in at least one more like come on <laughs> or, or yeah, seeing but, those but multiverses is, not according to steven they're they're hamstrung by the fact that everything's got to be canon that's shown on screen yes. and that's why kevin feige i think doesn't want to ever do director's cuts but i really wish they would do director's cuts of these movies because they're i i'm especially this one because i think that this one with 45 minutes of material being cut that you know from the from the ones they were showing as screeners like that's that's significant you know like and, and like, i really wish i could see that cut because sam raimi's not like he's a pretty trim director like mm -hmm. he doesn't have a lot of fat on his films mm -hmm. so i would be surprised that they had 45 minutes to cut i you know i'm i tend to not like i like the cut versions a little <laughs> bit more unless they're like Whop, whopping in different takes or something like that. Um, I find oftentimes I don't need the extra fat that was on the film, and, but Sam Raimi tends to be pretty streamlined. So I would, I'm really surprised that there's 45 minutes that they found to cut. They must have cut a storyline mm -hmm. to have that much film. I, I, I suspect that they'll put it back in at some point uh, uh, because you can make money. Doing that. Yeah, but remember, Disney is the company that is yeah. like, we don't, we don't do things for like, we don't release the original version of the Star Wars trilogy, you know, like, because <laughs> we've decided in our wisdom that that the version that's here is is the only version that you should see. And we we won't release things on disc and we'll just keep them in our Disney vault. So you're forced to like pay for Disney plus rather than releasing them on disc. And you know, like, this is the kind well, of company Disney is. They won't do that with Marvel movies. And well, no, but Feige said he doesn't like the director's cuts and he does it well so until Feige's replaced at least we're not going to I can tell you that every single Marvel movie that I have has a section on it called deleted scenes yeah but that isn't the full director's cut like those are never care. the full yeah. director's I cut I bet you some of that is going to end up on the Doctor Strange DVD oh no we'll, we'll probably see probably. some scenes yeah definitely but why not 45 fun, minutes of scenes. why do you hate fun oh my god <laughs> I want, I want this. Let, can I just have, Oh no, I, I was just being realistic because Disney has had a track record that makes me angry. So I'm just saying that I don't like, like I still am waiting for like my seasons four through seven agents of shield Blu-rays that are never going to come out. They're never coming. <laughs> right. I'll be the first one to tell you and admit that Disney is a great Satan. I have no doubt about that, but there are some, the, the Marvel stuff they've been very prompt with and, that I think that they have a different deal in play. Feige has some say over what goes out. They're not gonna. They're not gonna uh, Disney vault a Marvel movie uh, like they do with their own properties. And right. to and and to be fair, to be fair, the only thing that they uh, are really hiding is all the uh, all the racist stuff that uh, would just make people lose their minds, anyways. We're never going to get Song of the South, and I think we're all okay. No, with I that. just I just mentioned Mark no. seasons four through seven of Agents of Shield are not available, even though they yeah. went out years ago. And so I, it's, it's not just racist stuff from the past that they do half this with. Of the half of the Netflix stuff uh, doesn't have a series, right? But at least then maybe it's because they don't want Netflix to have any money. But they own ABC. 
So, I, so Agents of Shield is something they wholly own. So again, this is that's why I use that as the example. Yeah. Um, I think they're just funneling everything onto Disney Plus. Like we have the Netflix right. shows on Disney Plus now. We have Agents of Shield on Disney Plus, and, and that's great for people who don't have metal walls in their house exactly. that blocks Wi like exactly. blocks Wi Fi. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because the internet in in America is so. And good. the house from so the nineteen twenties is plaster walls with metal in them. It blocks yeah. the electromagnetic spectrum, yeah. and so streaming well, sucks for me. I want yeah. hard media anyway don't don't get me started about that in the gaming industry (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah but i mean but there's the cameos though like i like wanted to get to the positive here like i was one of those people who squeed because i knew i mean we all knew because they played it in the trailer that patrick stewart was going to be in the movie at in was like it's going to be professor x because who else would patrick stewart play but they played the x-men music and it was like professor x yeah you know that and, I, was, and I hated that cartoon and i still was yeah. like that's awesome. your, your taste has already been proven to be bad but <laughs> oh, no. uh, but I'm, but I'm, yeah I'm i was i was it's funny because i the one thing i was because everybody was saying it and i was like if, if professor x was right because everybody's saying professor x before the movie like we got the trailer and i was like well if professor x is right they all have to be right then about uh um uh, tom cruise is iron man is gonna be in the movie and that was the biggest <laughs> shock was that we didn't get the Tom Cruise's Iron Man, Illuminati Iron Man, you know, in the movie. It was kind of interesting because they replaced, they replaced Iron Man with a version of Captain Marvel where it was uh, uh, Marie Rambeau who became Captain Marvel instead of Carol Danvers. And they replaced Namor with, um, with Captain Carter um, on the Illuminati. No problem um, with that. I have no problem. Haley Atwell can be Captain Carter <laughs> until she's 75 years old. I, well, no, and that's, and that's, I mean, but it, it obviously wasn't the same universe, though, that they showed us in What If. But I do have a problem with yeah. the fact that it's like, come on, you introduced Mr. Fantastic with this. You couldn't introduce Namor. You know, Namor, the greatest Marvel character ever. No, that's going to be in the Black Panther movie. I know, Charlie. but it's like, but no comic people comic people yes um i'm aware that the illuminati exists does it exist in multiple universes so is this just one version of the illuminati originally originally when it was a thing when they redid secret wars they decided that they were gonna they were gonna build an illuminati out of the the great minds of the marvel universe so the 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 mar I, I don't know if it was uh ultimates universe or not i forget which but basically th- when they did that in the comics it was you know w- it was so that we can kind of keep a hand on the rudder and hopefully steer things in the right direction and of course like these things do they, it blew up in their face so um I, I i don't recall that there's been a multiversal version of that this was the first time we we saw it so i i thought it worked out really well but but yeah so juliet how it works in marvel is every time there's a decision there's two uni- you know like universes come out for every possible decision so there have to be other illuminati and other universes because every time that. they make a decision there would be another branch and, that, and like, you know mm-hmm. every not in yeah. earth 616 we don't have the illuminati yet but they might eventually create one because strange is still alive and earth 616 i was just kind of curious um because as far as I could recall from my wiki reading, because that's where I get my Marvel mm. knowledge after the movies, is that um, many of these people were still very alive uh, and they just decimated this Illuminati in one fell swoop, except for yes. uh, uh, Mordo. Which but, is what made me go, 
okay, guys, I get what you did, but did that's you why I was kind of curious. I was thinking there must be Illuminati, this a similar group of people in the other universes, I would imagine. In some yeah, there would them, be other universes them. that are similar to that one that would also have an Illuminati yeah. now, but it doesn't mean that 616 won't get a Illuminati at some point. Right. You know, yes. on their half own. of those people aren't currently in the 616. So, right. I was just kind of curious <laughs> to see how that went because I really loved the cameos. You know, I'm a huge X Men fan. So, um, Patrick Stewart showing up was great. I'm only vaguely familiar with the cartoon. I knew the theme music from the cartoon because most of my friends love to the cartoon. Right. But having dived into X Men with that first X Men movie, that just made my little heart sing so much. But if we're going to go for cameos, I'm sorry, Bruce Campbell steals my show every time. <laughs> that man is the king of beating himself up. I was waiting for yeah. him. Like, I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah. he's in here somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be somewhere. Yeah. It's going to happen, right. I, yeah. I, I was me, hoping he was going to have a little bit more of a significant role, though, because like in the Spider-Man movies, it's like yeah. the things that yeah. he did, even though short, were significant. And this, yeah. it was like, it was just like a completely like insignificant thing, just a, a filler for a few seconds. Yeah. The, fan the Mr. Fantastic was the was the real uh, takeaway there, um, because um, it has long been uh, tossed around that, that everybody wants Krasinski for that that role, yep. and uh, probably uh, after Spider Man uh, going forward, the the property the Marvel property that people are most excited to see this version of Marvel Studios do is the Fantastic Four. And so uh, it was really cool, however briefly, to see him in the costume and know mm -hmm. that something's up there. Um, so Maybe. I'm, they could always decide that when they do the actual movie to have a different actor play it because he didn't sell yeah. me as Reed Richards in this, especially with... Black Bolt can kill you, Wanda. I'm going to telegraph this so that you can kill Black Bolt before he kills you. I love the meme that says like, Wanda, Black Bolt knows how to fix your problem. <laughs> Listen to Black Bolt. <laughs> Which is what he should have said. The second that happened, I was just like, Black Bolt gains aggro from <laughs> To like, me, okay. the big deal was like they endorsed Anson Mount as Black Bolt after yes. that horrible yes. Inhumans show. Yes, that was the big the thing for me because <laughs> yeah. wow, wow, really Inhumans, like, wow, that show, wow. Like, and then that like, was yeah, yeah. Oh, that Why was amazing. On Earth that would they you want to call back that? Yeah. But, but the thing was, Anson Mount wasn't the problem with he that show. No, it was every other damn thing about that show. Yeah, I thought he was one of the better things about the show, and and so I was I was happy to see him again. Yeah, him and Lockjaw. Everybody else, you know. Hey, I got an idea. You know, the character that uh, has living hair that moves. Uh, let's cut all that off. So, on it. Uh, so, so I mean, yeah. On one hand, it was it was nice to kind of, however briefly, get him back in that costume and go. Oh yeah, that's where I remember seeing him from. Oh, he looks good in the costume. Oh, his head blew off. We should probably write that down. Um, that was but, uh, brutal. It was. Yes. It was. It was ugly. <laughs> It was ugly, but, but uh, yeah, I, you know, and, and of course I, I think that the Captain Marvel and the Captain Carter bits were, were just that fan service, just like, mm -hmm. Hey, cool. Mm -hmm. Look, you know, we did this. The real, the real takeaway was, was Reed. And I, I suspect that the underwater earthquake in Avengers Endgame yep. that they talked about was, was Namor in Atlantis. I 
I'm I'm almost certain they're going to introduce it in Black Panther. I would not be surprised if they go ahead and introduce the Fantastic Four in Black Panther in some capacity as well. So that's the that was the real everything else to me was sort of bonus, like you know, uh, all the different versions of of Strange that we got to see, uh, getting to see the uh, the the Sanctums. Uh, and and the wizards mm-hmm. uh, queue up. I mean, who doesn't love the Minotaur guy, right? I mean, come on. So all of that was fantastic. I I loved it. I thought um, that's why we go see Marvel movies to 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 kind of get that that sort of sense of spectacle that 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 you really don't get with any other property. I mean, uh, it's very rare. Uh, there's 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 not a lot of other properties. Maybe James Bond maybe Batman and maybe Star Wars where you have generational people in the audience, three and four generations all reacting the same way when Reed Richards shows up. Right. I mean, it's kind of cool. You know, there's, there's not a lot of things that bring us together, but by God, John Krasinski stretching will bring us together. It will heal a fractured nation. (laughs) Never seen fantastic Four. Yeah, Mark, I, I think I think you're kind of wrong on that one because the younger generation doesn't really care yeah. about Fantastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about Fantastic Four, <laughs> and and I definitely have read Fantastic Four comics, and I watched the other films, and I just they don't get me. Like I I just don't get it. Like it's not. I have not seen a version that I loved. I love them individually because like and I because like of course they appear in all of the other comics and things Mm. like that so like i know johnny storm best through spider-man i love him when i when he's teamed up with spidey that's great but i don't know i don't really know them very well as a group and i'd like to get to know them so i'm looking forward to the mcu doing it but it's not the thing that i'm the most excited about well Um, i have no problem being wrong i mean i have i've never read the comics i've i've never seen the movies i think isn't there somebody with a flaming head um, no, he's a flaming body. The human. Okay, yeah. I've seen the movie posters. That's about it. I All know over. nothing right. about. <laughs> Just about imagine movie. this, but cool. everyone. <laughs> Except that apparently everybody agrees that the movies were crap. Um, they're terrible. They're very bad. <laughs> yeah, no, they're ass. But they're very. They're ass. They're very entertaining. Yes. Is what I will say. So, I not, have not absolutely. That four the one done in 2014. That one wasn't even yeah. entertaining. The way Jerry Dandridge watches vampire movies and finds them very amusing. Yeah, that's the way they are. See, so <laughs> the, that, that particular cameo didn't do anything for me. Same thing, I haven't watched Runaways? Black Bolt, I knew nothing about No, no, that's Inhumans. Oh, Inhumans. I've never seen Inhumans. Uh, so I didn't know who Black Bolt was. It, it's fine. Mark and I watched it so you don't have to. It's actually right. the title of the <laughs> yeah. episode. We watched we it so you don't have to. Just you don't. We've already done our service. We are sin eaters. That is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It was... That was a that, that was is a, the only Marvel property that I would say has absolutely like no like redeeming no. qualities and uh, since the MCU started, I mean, it's like no re- it's like smooth headed Klingons. It is something we do not talk about. <laughs> on the upside, I I still felt like I got enough cameos in this movie, but not too many. I still felt fan service, but not pandered to. Does that make yes. sense? Right. Yes, yes. That's yes. one of the things that I think the MCU does pretty well is that so it is getting more obtuse as it goes on, but I still think they do a lot of layers so that you can enjoy something without having 
intense knowledge of everything, but it does, you need to have some knowledge of it now, pretty much. It's difficult to go in with, with nothing. I um, still think back to the HR lady at my work who Avengers Endgame was her first MCU oh movie. My- <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's oh. rough. <laughs> why even go see it? <laughs> like why? I, I don't, anyway, anyway. I mean, it doesn't have part two in the title, so it's Ooh, not obvious. <laughs> I know, but it's just like, yeah. She, it does say end. But since I'm known as the guy at my work that like <laughs> watches all that weird stuff, you know, it's like, she, she, I'm talking to her about something else. She's like, have you seen Avengers Endgame? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, I just saw it. She was like, it's the first one of these that I've seen. And I'm just like, oh my God. but it's like, she wants to talk to me about it. And it's just like, I don't even know how to have this conversation when that's the only <laughs> movie that you've seen in the, in the series. She also did like the, do you know what Baby Yoda is? Like in a different conversation. I was like, yeah. And she's like, I haven't seen the show, but Baby Yoda is so cute. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Okay. There's one other thing I wanted to definitely talk about. Um, and I'm actually kind of curious because I know you all have very different perspectives uh, as far as like, you know, film styles and whatnot from what I do. Um, so the first Doctor Strange, I think, has the best soundtrack of any of the Marvel movies. Uh, the Michael Giacchino score um, is, you know, because he's using Eastern instruments, but still doing like sort of action, you know, kind of like movie kind of stuff. It's so fascinating for me to listen to. I absolutely love it. Um, you know, it's, it's the only MCU soundtrack that I own, uh, because I don't feel like the MCU has done that well with soundtrack. Like the music doesn't really grab me in a lot of the movies. Um, but, uh, but, you know, and then of course we have Danny Elfman in this and I'm going to say, as a kid, I owned the Batman 1989 soundtrack. You know, uh, great, great soundtrack, beautiful. Uh, and then every other time Danny Elfman has done a superhero soundtrack, it's the exact same soundtrack over again. And I feel like that was a real step backwards for this movie because it was like, the music was fine. It wasn't bad, but it sounded like generic superhero fare. Um, so I'm kind of curious if anyone like you paid any note to the soundtrack. Did you, did you, did you think it was great? Did you know, am I wrong about this? Did you feel like it was kind of generic? Like, you know, what, what were your feelings about that? So Juliet, I know that you're a a soundtrack aficionado uh, like myself. So why don't you start us off? So I'm right there with you. I adore the original Dr. Strange soundtrack, the harp, the use of the harpsichord throughout the entire soundtrack. And that was perfect for the style and feeling of that movie. I didn't know until the first time I heard the score when I went into the theater that Danny Elfman scored this movie. Uh, but Danny Elfman does indeed have a very particular sound. Mm-hmm. I, I've actually been training some of my coworkers to identify his scores just from a, a few notes. But- I mean, listen to the first Spider-Man movie and listen to the Batman soundtrack. But I will say- It's kind of the same. Danny Elfman has a sound that is that lends itself very well to manic horror. And that's what, to me, if anybody ever asked me to describe like Danny Elfman, Oingo Boingo, any of that, my first word, manic. He has that beautiful sound. The, the song, the Oingo Boingo song, Insanity, half the Oingo Boingo, you know, whole discography would fit into this movie because of that manic horror sound. I don't think the original uh, composer would have been would have fit with this particular style of movie that we were getting. I love Danny Elfman. There's only one soundtrack he's ever done that fell flat for me. 
and I hated every moment of it. And I think that was Terminator Salvation. He really needed to to draw in some stuff because in this what one, didn't fall flat drew, in that movie? Oh God, he did draw in elements from the doctors from the first Doctor Strange movie and made them yes. fit into this new. And it can't just fit Earth six one six. To me, it made he made it feel like we were indeed traveling through a multiverse of music, haha, as well. Um, okay, so the I music felt, fight was kind of cute. It was yes. to me that was very cool. I but I, but I feel like brilliant. but I feel like Michael Giacchino could have done a music fight too. Well, I, I that, like I, that music fight is the thing that I loved the most about this entire film. Mm. Uh, it's it's the coolest magic the coolest fight scene that I feel like we have seen in the MCU. It is so creative. It's something that you can, you can absolutely imagine them doing it in the comics, but it doesn't look the same because there's not the motion. And this just looks so cool. And then I loved that it played the musical notes that they were throwing and that they rearranged each other's music. Like, I just thought that was such a really great idea and i loved the way that they absolutely incorporated the visuals in the soundtrack didn't it just feel like it fit that moment yes. and those two particular stranges right there yes it was so oh, good no. so this music this music for this movie again i feel like danny elfman was a great composer was a perfect choice to go with this particular movie okay page yeah i'm gonna agree like danny elfman like there there wasn't any other choice um for me for this movie it, for it would be Danny yeah for, for sure and like and, and I, I will also he loves agree. his people that he stays with forever <laughs> he will not stop <laughs> uh and and I also agree that the music fight was amazing visually again and then actually using sound as a weapon like that's really really creative and, and your discussion about the soundtracks actually made me think of like okay what are my favorite ones because I do agree that I couldn't think of any scores like on the level of like uh, any of the work that Hans Zimmer has done for DC like mm. like that is a certain echelon I really don't think the Marvels come close at and like I guess my two favorite soundtracks are probably the, the Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy like I I do like those two soundtracks and parts of Black Panther uh, are pretty good but like no albums as a whole really got me hmm. yeah so that's a really good question <laughs> strange and ragnarok ragnarok is the other one mm, that I ragnarok's is a, a good beautiful one. score that fit the movie perfectly yes uh ali did you have anything else i know you talked about the music fight but do you have anything about the score that you wanted to say uh, the the score i didn't notice as much as i frequently do mm -hmm. there's a few moments um where he evokes other songs that i thought worked really well um there's it's with the Gargantos fight. He's got this bit that sounds very much like Night on Bald Mountain, which just, it fits that moment really well. And so whenever he did those things that were, again, this is like musical callouts, and this is what you expect from franchise films. There's a Doctor Strange theme. So you get the Doctor Strange theme. And so making cues to other songs that we're all familiar with fits really well particularly when you're looking at the multiverse I concept because it's going to be things that are familiar but are unfamiliar. 
And so that kind of concept of pulling in something that sounds kind of like Night on Bald Mountain, but isn't Night on Bald Mountain is sort of going with it. So I was fine with it the times when I noticed it, but it didn't stand out overall. Um, I agree with you that Marvel films are not necessarily known for their soundtracks, although um, I love the Winter Soldier soundtrack. Okay. <laughs> uh, just out of curiosity, did you weigh in when we did The Rocketeer about the soundtrack? Did you care about it at all? Oh no, I love that soundtrack. Okay, yeah, yeah okay. that's iconic. All right, so, so we have, we have, okay, yeah. So I just wanted to make sure that we had that because yeah, that's one of the soundtracks I own too. I love that soundtrack. Yeah, that one's yeah. So, I, I will so fight amazing. people over that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, oh, Mark, uh, what do you think about the soundtrack? I have no opinion of it. Okay. Um, I, 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 I like their needle drops. I think Marvel does a pretty good job of, of doing needle drops and uh, using, um, using, uh, rock and roll in uh fairly effective ways uh more i I, more so in their trailers where they really need to kind of sell an emotional punch than in the movie but the movies i think do a good job with them as well you know um so uh i don't have a problem with it i like danny elfman just fine i didn't immediately grok to him being danny elfman in this i thought the musical fight was awesome but um uh honestly the soundtrack is the least thing i'm showing up for uh, for these movies so um as long as it doesn't get in my way uh like uh uh like the damn blade runner soundtrack or the dune soundtrack uh oh hey now <laughs> what I, he's talking about i think he's talking about the recent dune I still like the recent dude. Okay, all right. Just okay. making sure Thank that you, you weren't talking about like '80s dude, or you know, just. Oh, don't you diss my Toto? <laughs> uh, Dennis Villeneuve uh, does not know how to use uh, music uh, in his movies, and uh, I can prove that with math. Uh, <laughs> Juliet, I like the soundtrack in the recent Dune movie, also. Um, I like too. <laughs> uh, but also, I don't like Prague and synth rock in the '80s either. Oh well, I mean, our, see, see, Mark, you just keep proofing, but like your taste is just wrong. <laughs> I, I'll take the Pepsi Challenge with any Hoyt Curtin, uh, Michael Giacchino, uh, Eno uh, Morricone, or uh, Lalo Schifrin uh, thing you want to throw at me. But uh, uh, I like what I like, and I don't like what I don't like, and I'm, 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 I'm. I'm Feel free to consider me a Philistine. I'm okay with it, provided I don't have to sit through Legend and listen to <laughs> Tangerine Dream again, because I'll I'll chew off my bottom lip uh, to get out of that coyote trap to avoid having to listen to the Alan Parsons project on Lady Hawk. Oh, oh, oh I will say, I will say, I actually forgot one because I've been thinking about getting the Eternal soundtrack. Regardless of how you feel about the theme, yeah. I liked the Eternal soundtrack. That, that is a solid soundtrack. Yeah. I, I, I thought that. it was interesting and different. You know, where again, like, I feel like a lot of, like, I like the Avengers theme, but the rest yes. of the music in the Avengers movie is not that. I just like the dun, 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 dun. You know, I just like that. You know? there's, a, there's a point at which I know the soundtrack works if when I hear the refrain, I get goosebumps. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's usually my indicator. Because that what that means is I've tied that piece of music to the movie in a way that plucks at my cold, dead, black, emotionless heart. So when I hear dun, 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 and, and 
and suddenly I go, why am I, why am I trying not to cry? Oh, because it's John Williams and Superman thing. You know, uh, same thing with, uh, you know, Harry Potter, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I like uh, uh, John Williams. Yeah, yeah, you just like John Williams. Yep, I like John Williams. I will, but see, I love Michael Giacchino as well. Michael oh, okay. Giacchino is the spiritual. Oh, yeah. He's the successor to this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. Because whatever you think about the Star Trek reboot movies, the Thank scores you. are so, fantastic. Oh, yeah. The scores are so Absolutely. good. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So, so that's why I don't like the Dune soundtrack and the uh, and the Blade Runner re redo soundtrack because I live in a world where Michael Giacchino lives. <laughs> and, and he makes music that, that gives exclusive. me the feels in my special place. I freely admit Rogue One, it was, he did Rogue One, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he started been doing a lot of Star Wars. Store. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, and he does really good. Not John Williams Star Wars music. Yeah. So, uh, so James Horner, stop working with uh, Dennis Villeneuve. Yeah. I beg you. J James Horner passed away uh, several years yeah. ago. No, so who is it then? Yeah. Who's the one? I, who's who's the guy? Who's the new one? Who's the guy that works with with him? He did the he did the Dune soundtrack. Who is it? He's normally really good. He did the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack. Who am I talking about? Oh, uh, it's not Klaus, is it? No, no, uh, it's, it's the person no. that, that was. If only we had access to an <laughs> okay. information network. For some reason, I wanted to say that... Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Yeah, I think it was Hans Zimmer. Yeah. It's Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer working with Dennis Villeneuve. Uh, I, I, I would rather have Tangerine Dream. I would did, rather have the Alan. Parsons did you part. like the new Dune movie? Um. Because, okay, that right there tells me exactly all I need to know. I think we found it, folks. I think we found it. It's not my cup up. Okay, all right, all right. But yeah, let's... I'm, I'm happy if you did. I'm, I love that. I have a lot of friends who love the Dune movie. If you loved it, man, that's great. I We don't have enough good movies that people like. I, I'm perfectly okay with it not being for me. I'm not going to tell anybody differently, but there's nothing in that movie that spoke to me outside of Jason Momoa, who I would watch not do anything. I would just, you know, two hours of him just going, what, you-, you Okay, I gotta do a Dune right podcast there. at some point to talk about all the versions of Dune, but That's we're getting away podcast. from MCU soundtracks, so we're-, we're Anyways, <laughs> I didn't care. I didn't, the, move, the music didn't move me in this movie, but it also didn't make me hate Hans Zimmer. So win-win. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I also own the Batman Begins soundtrack, but anyway, anyway. Um, so, so, so the other thing that I wanted to really just talk about briefly is that I thought for sure that with Wanda just decimating sorcerers, like you know, remember we've got because because the London Sanctum was destroyed in the first movie, so there's just Hong Kong, New York, and Carmartage. Wanda decimated Carmartage. So we just have Hong Kong. And New York, we know, only has Strange in it. And, and Wong visits, but I mean Wong's at Carmartage. Wanda decimates Carmartage, but at the end of the movie, we still have a whole building full of sorcerers. And so 
I see my thought was, oh, this is how we get to the Mordo thing, like down the line, is Wanda's gonna decimate him. So there's only like a few left, and then Mordo's gonna come for like the few that are left, and that's gonna be like a storyline that they do. And then I was really shocked to see at the end that it's just like, oh, it seems like it doesn't matter because we can just generate new sorcerers, like unless we've depopulated the Hong Kong one and moved them all to uh to Carmitage. So I don't know where they're going with Cleta, but I'm sure that that the Baron Mordo is going to pick back up uh, in that third movie because this multiverse stuff feels like they had to do some maneuvering to make it all fit because they decided to go in this direction in a way that they weren't going to do before. I feel like this is why they've been so wiggly and, and, and loosey-goosey with some of their plotting. So I don't, I don't give up hope. I, we're going to see Baron Mordo. Uh, and frankly, I, I wouldn't want to see a, uh, him squaring off against Baron Mordo without Clea. So right. I'm, yeah, I'm good with it. Fair enough. Well, the other thing when, cause they get reinforcements from Hong Kong in London at when uh, Wanda shows up at Camartage. So the London sanctum must have been rebuilt sometime possibly during the blip maybe but i I took that to be mean that the london sanctum had been rebuilt and they have been recruiting in all of that time i assume that they've been recruiting it's been quite a while because i mean you have to remember is it 2025 in mcu now it's we're they're ahead of us You're now. right they're ahead of us because they're yeah, five years so, fast, so yeah. they've had more time i'm as i assumed that they had just done some recruiting and so they have um more ranks i assumed one that london is full again and so they've just done additional recruiting I, i'm also not a fan of everybody knowing of dr strange i would have preferred for him to be a character that lives in the shadows and only like you know superheroes like sort of wink wink nudge nudge know about him uh and, and i was kind of like oh like my my husband is a big fan of yours it's kind of embarrassing you know like all that kind of <laughs> stuff i was like I, I like it better when magic is the thing that like is kind of like kept under wraps but whatever i mean that's you know well maybe they don't know that it's magic I guess. I don't know. But um, but certainly with the numbers of people, because you know, again, like they don't have like whole armies of sorcerers in like the comics. Like it's like there are a handful of magic users that are good guys that are heroes or whatever, but it's not like they have training grounds and you know, all that kind of stuff. So I mean it's a very different, you know, thing in the MCU. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, I guess the last thing to talk about is thoughts about the future. We did have Clea uh introduced um at the at the very end who you know for people who don't read comics is strange's love interests going all the way back you know to the 60s on again off again like with every you know superhero but um but yeah like uh is there anything you particularly want to see from another doctor strange movie um so um let's start with you mark because i know that you know you you don't like to opine that much but do you have an opinion about a doctor strange three and what you would like to say well, I got Shuma Gorath in this movie for crying out loud. <laughs> you want to talk about something I never thought I would see in a million years? That's a big win. <laughs> That's, I mean, Shuma Gorath? Are you nuts? I mean, uh, you know, honestly, um, I, I feel like they're putting all the pieces on the board that I want them to play with, you know? And now that Clea's in place... And uh, Bigly Big Clamber Clatch gets to op- play opposite of um, 
um, Charlize uh, Theron. Uh, Charlize Theron, who I adore. I think she's great in everything. Um, and and he's now he's got the third eye. He's the eye of Agamotto is now imprinted uh, on him. So this is going to be fantastic. I, uh, I I don't really have a prediction other than um, you know what I said earlier about Baron uh, Mordo and uh, I, and I'm I'm okay if we get Nightmare, but it's it's not a um, it's not a deal breaker for me if we don't because I got Shumagorath for crying out loud. That's all that matters. And I got Shumagorath early. I was coasting on Shumagorath vibes for like I, like 30 minutes later. I was like, Shumagorath. And, and Janice said, shut up. And I went, okay. So, you know, so I, again, I'm, I'm, this is my world and y'all are all just living in it because I'm, I'm, I couldn't be happier. Uh, well, I, here's I what I want. I want a flame to appear. I want a horned creature. And then like the reveal peels back and then it's not horns at all. It's hair. It's nightmare. Ha ha ha. Mephisto people. You're still not getting it. <laughs> I, I, I did want to say that like I grew up on the Marvel versus Capcom game. So the second I saw Shiva Gorath, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like the only one who was like vibrating in my seat in the theater. <laughs> Thank you, Paige. I feel better now. See, yes. I feel better about not knowing uh, anything about America because yeah. you know about Shuma Oh, Gorath. yes. <laughs> That's way more important. To me. It's more important to me that you know about Shuma Gorath than I know about America Chavez. So that is fair. Okay. We're golden. Those games were amazing, Paige. They grew out of my love of the Street Fighter series. And once yes. I got X-Men versus Street Fighter and then I got Marvel versus Capcom, it was just like, oh that yeah, was, that baby. That was my era. That was my <laughs> era. Right. All right. So, um, so yeah, Paige, what about you? Any, anything you want to see out of future movies? Oh, no. Like, I, I think I'm more like interested in seeing what Clea is all about, like what this version of Clea is going to be. Like, that's a blank slate. I'm always looking at the blank slate to see what you're going to do with this character going forward. So like, I know that Dr. Strange is going to have some issues with that third eye, but I don't know where this Clea is at. I don't know where she is in her life. I don't know how she's going to play in this universe. So I think that's the thing I'm the most excited about. Okay. And Allie? Uh, Bottle Rocket Tiddlywinks is not my favorite character in the MCU. So Whatever they do, I'm sure I'll watch, but I don't have a lot of opinions about it. I am much more excited about a future in which they have Young Avengers. <laughs> well, it's definitely coming, despite what I think. <laughs> All right, Juliet. Um, I have a special love for Buffalo Cumber, Cumber uh, Bath, but you know, it's a... Uh... I want to see all the things with Doctor Strange. I blame What If for giving me this intense desire to see Strange Supreme on the screen, complete with all of the, even if I only ever get silhouettes of all the cool demon-y things that he ate. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I love that version of him. The fact that although he did go to the dark side a bit, and by a bit, I mean, oh my God, um, he came back from it to the point where he is this amazing person who is a great person defending others and eats entire powers and exploding suns but um, but has to live with the consequences right i i and the fact that he is okay with that unlike the strange that we got in this one which i thought was a, a neat version of that strange who never got that that remorse back um i would like to see 
I don't know who Clea is. I can't wait to find out about this. Of course, I'm going to be <laughs> jealous because I have this special love for for him. But um, I give me anything with Doctor Strange. Give me some more flashbacks with the Ancient One. I've always loved the Ancient One. I I did look into the comics, by the way, when I first saw the first movie. I was like, there was a huge controversy. What is this about? And then I looked at the comic version. I was like, holy crap! I'm glad we like, changed. Oh, there that. it is. <laughs> that was yeah. Uh, that was that that's not okay to put on screen Oops. Yeah. well there's controversies <laughs> on all sides of this because right. they went away from the stereotypical casting but then people are like but you cast a white person <laughs> yeah. and so it's like there's like all sorts of controversies all the way over one. to the absence of light <laughs> right. so, but uh but i would like to see more of that i can't wait to see where we go with mordo because i loved the 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 sadness of this character i want to know where he goes and if interesting bit that even in earth 838 838 right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um he still is very similar in that respect to uh earth 616 and it's just there's some things that i guess don't change maybe but i'm okay with whatever they bring me in another doctor strange movie you can give me eight nine ten more movies with doctor strange as my headliner and i will <laughs> sit here i will wear my cosplay to every single one of them and I, I love you too, Mark. Happily, happily uh, devouring everything they give me with him. So Mark's like, over here like doing strange the Doctor thing. Strange hand things, but it's the, the sign language for I love you. Ah. <laughs> I got Ditko hands. Look, I can't help it. This, this is, uh, doc again, I saw that first movie. I was immediately like, this is somebody that I could be a sorcerer. So I yeah. will always love Doctor Strange for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, the, the thing is just that while I like Charlize Theron and think that she's fine, I don't think she's right for Clea. So I'm, I'm going to be interested what? to see, you know, yeah. what. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't think of her as like a Clea. Like, she's I don't know. She's pretty we'll, we'll versatile see. as an actress, though. So I kind yeah. of. Well, I wasn't I wasn't a fan of how out. she played it in the one scene that we got because she seemed more like how. Um, oh, crap. What's her face? Plays Sif um you know uh, very loud yeah. angry oh, yeah. in your Alexander, face i'm like yeah. that's not but a very clear you know kind of portrayal you know to me so there, there's stuff to do she can't yeah. just like show up and be all like hey so here's the deal no it's that's the whole point it's a mid it's who would you cast all right just not well just, no i see i'm not good at that sort of thing cast? You know, because oh, but I, I imagine oh. uh, Clea as more like serene, more waif like, like sort of like you know, very sort of thin, ethereal. I ethereal is the word. I imagine people. Clea being more ethereal, and no. Charlize Theron is not ethereal. No, oh, no, she totally she's can not be. ethereal. Oh my god, who hurt you? Who hurt you as a child? <laughs> Show me on the comic book where they touched you. Oh my god. Okay. Charlize Theron is perfect casting. I'll I'll brook no. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It's just. I'm just thinking about a height difference between someone that's like smaller and waifish next to Bumblebee Cincinnati. You know, like <laughs> the height difference would be a little bit like, oh, who's this tiny girl you're with? <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, Charlize yeah, Theron, so Theron is like uh, she's tall. For mm -hmm. Anyway, so. I think, right, she so looked like she was of a height with Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. Yeah, that's next to Engelbert Humperdinck. She's gonna look just fine. It's not gonna look weird, you know. So that's a, <laughs> that's good. You got it. You got to take that stuff into consideration. Everybody else is like Hollywood tall, which means they're Tom Cruise's 
height, which is Platforms. like 5'8". Five, five <laughs> yeah. There's five, a reason why they have Apple five, eight, He's right. a giant in the earth. You know, everybody else is is effectively five foot two. So, uh, so for, for, yeah, I know. I think, I think it's a good match. It's going to be great. You're going to love her as Clea in the third movie. You, and it's fine. I, I, I'm, I mean, the, 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 the other thing is, you know, like, I mean, it's a spoiler for something that's existed for, for, for thousands of years, but you know, Clea is Dormammu's sister. Um, so mm -hmm. that will be interesting oh. to see how that's, you know, sort of plays into it and, you know, what they're going to do with that. So I think, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I hope the Mordo stuff turns up, but since it looks like they're playing heavily into going for like sealing a breach or whatever, I feel like they're almost abandoning the no more sorcerers storyline. But we'll see if they can dovetail that back in. Because remember, Strange says like, oh, the Mordo of my dimension tried to kill me, which did not happen in the first movie. So it's almost like yeah. they're skipping the story <laughs> of Mordo trying to kill Strange and the no more sorcerers thing. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. He's a classic villain and we never, and we saw him, we saw the villain origins, but we didn't see the, mm -hmm. the, the actual thing. And so it's, I think that's important. That's a, that's a big deal. Also, it's going to, it's going to be less money if the two of them are fighting. Juliet, you should absolutely go try to track down the, the essential Marvel Dr. Strange trades, the black and white ones. Don't have her read old comics, Mark. Okay, don't look, don't have friends... her read. After having listened to her complain about reading like comics from the seventies. <laughs> They've got pictures in them too. Okay. My friends gave me this fantastic, illust beautifully illustrated book. I think it's called like the essential Dr. Strange. It's actually not that thick. It's about yay, yay thick. And it's hardcover and it kind of has sections on the different strange characters and the types of artifacts that we have. Okay. And I've been reading through it. That's again, how I got some of my knowledge cool. from this, but I don't have like the depth of knowledge. Cause after I saw St. Strange Supreme on what if I'm like going through this, I'm like, did this happen? All of the... All, all, all the Doctor Strange comics from the 70s are kind of like that sweet spot because that was still Bronze Age Marvel, what they were pulling from. I can't stand the artwork. It's one of the reasons I never read the X-Men comics until we got to Phoenix uh, and Song because that oh. art was gorgeous. Wow. But the comic art before that is not my style whatsoever. B believe me, I have to listen to her go on for hours about how much she hates the art of Star Wars comics. You from put me <laughs> in those episodes. Frank Bruner? All right. Well, anyways, uh, the the '80s stuff is where you get into uh, the dark hold, and it's it's good, but it's not my favorite Doctor Strange. But anyways, yeah, they're they're a lot of fun to read. And again, Shuma Gorath. That's all I'm. I'm just yes. <laughs> There you go. All right. Well, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, there's still there's so much to talk about with this movie, but I think we've talked about these like the high points, the the, the big hitters uh, in this. But if anyone has anything they want to mention as they do their shout outs, that's perfectly fine. But limit it to like four or five sentences. Let's not go down any further rabbit holes. <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah, Juliet, let's start with you. Uh, say your goodbyes, let people know where they can find you. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic to talk about this with you guys uh, and getting some knowledge of the comics that are, isn't just like readily easy, available on the wiki. So that's been cool. Uh, it's been just a fantastic time. Thank you for having me. My shout out on this one is for indeed Beanie Bag Cheesy Bits. If you haven't ever, if you've always wanted to hear him do comedy, highly recommend Cabin Pressure. It's a BBC audio comedy, radio comedy. Holy crap. I laughed my butt off every episode. Go listen to it okay. just because if you just want to hear him be hilarious all right okay 
And Paige? My shout out for this week is probably going to be the new season of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, they had a new episode today. Uh, it, they did the movie Munchie um, that has Dom DeLuise doing a voice of basically a gremlin. Uh, and I chose to, to, do, to watch that first this morning over Obi-Wan. I'm not good at decision making. Um, that <laughs> movie was horrific. <laughs> but that episode is one of the best ones of the new season. So I think everyone should go watch that. <laughs> All right, Allie. Um, are we doing shout outs? You can do shout outs or so. Oh, oh, oh yes, Paige. I am so sorry. Like, yeah, say, say where people can find you also. Okay, I can do that too. Um, <laughs> so, oh God, so many places. Uh, so I do a podcast. Um, we, we cover Star Wars and we cover um, everything like MCU um, uh, called Level 7 Access. Um, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere like that. Um, I have a, um, a webcomic called Legacies Call uh, at LegaciesCall.com. It's coming back uh, mid this year. Um, my day job is working in video games. So I think everyone should play Elder Scrolls Online for no reason. Um, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> right. Allie? Um, so if you want to like hear more of me, you, I can shout out my podcast, <laughs> Story Kernels. Uh, you can find it at storykernels.com and uh, pretty much any podcatcher. Um, if you want to know more about me or if you are a writer looking for editorial services, alliemartin.com. Uh, on Twitter, I'm self-winding and I usually wind up talking about MCU and time travel and all sorts of other things. Uh, and I also write features about comics, movies, and television for the website Slash Film. And Mark. Uh, I would like to thank Grindy Glow Babbling Brook for being such a good sport uh, for all of this. Uh, he, uh, he does not deserve the shade I threw at him. Uh, and so uh, to this, I say... Uh, yeah, that uh, if you ever make it to Vernon, Texas, uh, popcorn's on me. Uh, that being said, uh, if you found me fascinating and erudite, you can find more of that at the North Texas Apocalypse Bunker, uh, my blog and sort of a platform where uh, I wax forth uh, uh, North Texas Apocalypse Bunker.com. Uh, you can also hit me at my Substack uh, newsletter. It's free and always will be, ntab.substack.com. I'm going to, fair warning, as I'm recovering from surgery, I do spend a lot of time talking about my tumescent scrotum. Um, that's just part of the, the deal. But uh, I do not uh, share pictures of it. Uh, it's, it's, it's just enough that you know that I have it. And so uh, that's big fun. Um, also, um, uh, I've got a, a podcast that is about to launch the North Texas uh, Apocalypse Watch and Family Fun Hour, a 30-minute program, and uh, that's currently set to uh, premiere in July. Uh, I'm actively working on that right now. So uh, uh, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here uh, with smart, funny, talented people. Uh, really appreciate the chance. And me. <laughs> you were you, you were in there <laughs> on the list okay 
Oh, I thank you. Thank you. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Wong. We talked about him kind of roundabout, but I do want to, you know, just even though I felt like, you know, the story was more about Wanda and Strange and America Chavez, it was, you know, Wong was, you know, such a, you know, I mean, he was a pretty strong presence in the movie. And I really enjoy how they've utilized Wong through this. And even things like him showing up in uh, Shang-Chi, uh, yes. you know some of the other you know appearances that he's made so love it love the idea of him being the sorcerer supreme even though we know at some point they're going to change that up but for now it is it is really good uh, to have him there real quick i want to just say uh i'm thank you for bringing that up i wanted to i wanted to mention it you know i have a movie theater and i have a large display case in my lobby and over the years i've been collecting the marvel six inch figures for the movies and I did this massive display for the Avengers movies. Uh, and I was able, they, they did enough characters that I was able to actually do the entire um, set of Marvel heroes. Uh, and of course they'd done Thanos and the, 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 uh, the children of Thanos and all that kind of stuff. So that was fun. But I had the entire uh, setup except for um for except for Wong, he was the only character that was missing uh, from the the entire lineup. And as excited as I was about that, I thought that was Wheelie Wheelie Wong that they didn't have a figure. So I just thought you needed to hear that, Nathan. Um, you know, just that was for you. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate the low bar my that little, you set for comedy up. here, Mark. <laughs> All right, well, Juliet Page. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> Juliet Page, Allie, Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having, having me. Thanks. And that's it for our episode on the Multiverse of Madness. We hope that you enjoyed it, and you can let us know in so many different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another one is to go to our website at 42cast.com and leave us a review on any of the episodes. You can go to Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also tweet to us or contact us on our Instagram at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. The ones on Apple Podcasts really do help because the more reviews we get, the higher up we show in searches. So we would really appreciate it if you have an Apple account, if you haven't left a review yet, if you do now. I also want to let you know about the ESO Network Patreon. That's a way where you can help all the shows on the network. There are various tiers that give you different access to various things. There are early podcast episodes, exclusive podcast episodes. There's also a whole exclusive ESO Network podcast that you can only get through Patreon. So you can check that out at patreon.com slash ESO Network. And if you have the funds to contribute, we would greatly appreciate it. You can also find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. We talk about the stories, we let you know all the important details about the story so that you don't have to buy the episodes just to follow the podcast. But of course, if you do have access to the episodes or want to buy them as you go or want to get on BritBox so that you can watch them as we're reviewing them, that would definitely give you a little bit more out of the uh, show. So if that sounds interesting to you, please check it out.
The other show is Legendary Forces. That's where Juliet and I again, but also joined by Joe, Ashley, and Corey, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. That's all the movies, TV shows, comics, novels, everything that actually takes place in the Star Wars universe. We talk about what we're reviewing as far as quality, but then we also talk about it in context of the expanding idea of what Star Wars is. So if that sounds interesting to you, please check that out as well. At this point, I have nothing new to report, still going to Chicago TARDIS, still don't really know much about what my 2023 plans will be, although I'm tentatively planning to go to Fan Expo Chicago in 2023, but otherwise, just keep checking this space for more information. Alright, that's a wrap for this week. Join us back next week when Kevin Feige will not be joining us, and until then, this is Nathan, signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast, copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 cast is a proud member of the ESO network. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.